All right, gentlemen, I believe it's time to rock and roll here. It looks like we got some gameplay going. Hey there, everyone, and thank you all for joining us this Sunday night. Welcome to the episode of the Xbox Roundtable podcast. This is show number 242, the place for Xbox talk and more on Sunday nights. So, hey, you know what? Get your cold one ready and get ready for a really awesome time at talking some games and some uh, just general discussions from around the industry. Naturally, this is your host for the evening, Invader, and I am happy to see you all here as more and more people start popping into the chat. Uh, we've got plenty of things to cover tonight, uh, as PlayStation's Jim Ryan calling Xbox's Call of, Call of Duty offer inadequate. We will certainly go heavy into that, <laughs> lots to say. As well, Xbox's Matt Booty uh, answered questions at PAX West about, well, a variety of things. Uh, we'll cover that, plus some Ubisoft and Disney talk, possibly. But first, of course, I gotta introduce all the cool cats on the panel tonight. Starting off with General MLD. Buddy, great to see ya. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a good week. Lots of juicy news to get into here. Uh, uh, myself, uh, been doing good. Been playing some uh, Far Cry 5 on Game Pass. Pretty nice game. Coming off of Far Cry 3, it's pretty good. So having fun with that. But, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, can't wait to get into this uh, juicy topics here. No doubt, no doubt. Great to see you here as usual. Uh, next up, we got Tim Dog. Buddy, how's the week been treating you? All right, uh, very good. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to be here for half the show because uh, I have to wake up at four in the morning. But um, I'll be bringing the energy. We got to uh, slap around some Jim Ryan and uh, stay tuned. Uh, we got a great panel. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And uh, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, we appreciate it, Tim, too. I know waking up at four in the morning is uh, pretty dreadful, so uh, we appreciate the uh, energy at this time. <laughs> uh, let's see, moving on down the list here. Uh, Centurion Pal, how's things in your neck of the woods? Oh, doing pretty good, man. I've just been having a great time trying to figure out what game I want to play. Um, especially since uh, Crusader uh, decided to mail me a bag of crack and I got back into Destiny 2. Um, mm. been, gri been grinding out the Dreaming City, getting ready. Yeah, as he makes that sinister laugh. Uh, just finished grinding out the, uh, the Dreaming City. And uh, I'll be honest, the, the new player, uh, like basically the Cosmodrone going through the new player um, whole scenario... It wasn't as bad as I remember it because they've added some stuff to it, but definitely there needs to... It's really crazy how literally you just don't, like... In Destiny, it's just, like, throwing everything on a table and you just trying to figure out where you're going to start. I've had to, like, use some online guides just to figure out how to play everything in order. And now that I've finished the Dreaming City, I'm getting ready to go back to the moon to start doing the Shadow Keep. Uh, expansion and then just keep going from there. All right. I've, had, I've been having fun. Hey, happy to hear that. Happy to hear that. Uh, speaking of which, let's uh, get to Mr. Sinister here. As you said, uh, Mr. Crusader, how you doing? I'm good. I've been playing my crack, right? You know, he, he says I mailed it to him. Well, well, I'm deep in it, right? This week, I ran two full King's Fall raids, one full Valid Disciple raid, uh, two Oryx 
checkpoints in the King's Fall raid in addition to the, the full runs, and I just, right before the show, finished a um, final boss checkpoint for the Deepstone Crypt raid. So, like, I've been raiding all weekend, and it's it's been great. I, I love Destiny raids, and the game has never felt more alive than right now. All right. Well, good stuff to hear. I'm glad to hear that uh, Destiny's doing well, and uh, no, that's awesome that you're having a good time all around. Uh, guys in the chat, if uh, you've been playing Destiny, definitely let you know how your experience has been going recently. Uh, moving on. Oh, there you are. Eric Shockley, buddy. Hey, how have you been, man? Good. I thought I wanted uh, football back until I saw my team, the uh, the Colts, or the Indianapolis Colts, if you're not in America. <laughs> Go and play one of the worst teams and uh, not in the game get totally outclassed somehow make it back go to overtime and you miss the game when you kick in a game you shouldn't have been in anyway <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah football's back but I'm ex- i was excited about that but other than that i'm ready to get into these topics and forget about this uh afternoon <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no i hear you lots of north american sports coming back uh i know i'll be looking forward to some hockey soon probably about a month or so Again, I'm a Leaf fan, so, uh, you know, I've been punished the last, well, very, very, very long time since way before my birth, in fact, for a cup. So, uh, it's it's the dream. It's the dream. What can I say? All right, uh, guys in the chat, everybody tuning in, listen, just a quick reminder that before we be- begin in a moment to please hit the like button, share this episode out, and hey, if you're a new face here, please sub to the channel. We would love to have you here. But yeah, share this out because we would love to have all kinds of people just coming in and you know being active in the chat and listening and just make everybody aware that, hey, TXR is live. But uh, yeah, I think on that note, uh, we'll kick things right into gear with our first topic of the night. And last week, Xbox boss Phil Spencer made a statement that new Call of Duty games will remain on PlayStation platforms for at least several more years. After, uh, well, after the Activision uh, contract that's currently done, well, done up, it expires. Well, soon after uh, that, PlayStation CEO, uh, he made remarks to game industry biz saying that he wasn't initially going to comment on things but is now doing so since phil brought it up in the public forum so to speak and jim ryan states that microsoft has only offered call of duty to remain on playstation for three years after the current agreement also that their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. Now, I'll stop the quote there, but <laughs> wow, that's a lot to bite into. And I know everybody here wants like a slice of this, but you know what? I will start off with you, Crusader. I'm going to lead off with you here. What are your thoughts on Jim Ryan's statements? All right, listen, if we had Angry Crusader last week, this is going to be Facts and Logics Crusader this week, okay? Ooh, all and, right. Yeah, and trust me, I'm going to say, I'm going to be, Angry Crusader might come out at a time to yell at Jim Ryan, but I want to get on the table first, and I want to defend a couple things Jim Ryan said and did purposely in this, right? Now, the first thing I want to say is him coming out and saying that this third, that like Xbox only offered them three years, does not mean at the end of those three years that it's suddenly going to be exclusive. 
in Jim Ryan's eyes, he should assume that because he should be assuming the the strongest stance to protect his own company, period. That is his job as the CEO of the company. It is his responsibility to protect the fiduciary interests, the monetary interests of their shareholders. That is literally his job. So he needs to assume whatever extreme could possibly happen, even if the likelihood of that extreme is not the case. And we, we, we know that it's really not going to be the case. We have Brad Smith, the president of Microsoft, saying that he wants to bring the games to the Switch, for God's sakes. Right? Like, it, they're not going to take the games off PlayStation to suddenly put them on Switch. That would be the dumbest move on the planet that, that I could That would be a 343 move. Um <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I got to bash him a little bit. It's not, I'm not done with that. But, right. But Jim Ryan is doing exactly what he should be doing here in this article. The exact words that he used are maybe not the best. Uh, well, and I'll get into that. But what he is doing is exactly the opposite of what Microsoft is trying to do. And is, acts, is exactly what both companies should be trying to do, right? Microsoft in January, when they announced this deal, they know they knew that when it met when it went to the regulatory commissions, that they were almost certainly going to have to sign a consent decree, right? That they were going to have to sign terms, specialized terms that weren't covered in their deal that the regulators are going to want. So what did they do? They went on a PR campaign, essentially, right? Both in the public interest by doing things like. Um, talking about how like Windows is going to be an open app store, and they reduced the cuts of the store down to 12% on the on the PC store, and they they, they they're stressing how they're helping indie developers with like ID at Xbox, and and they're doing all of these things to create a good public image with regulators. Like as soon as the the uh, I can't think of the name of the tech union. As soon as the tech union came out and said that they had massive concerns about the deal and they can't support it, Microsoft immediately took a stance of neutrality on on unions. Something unheard of in the tech sector, right? CWA. The CWA, yes. Thank, thank you. Immediately took a stance of, of neutrality. So Microsoft offering a three-year term to guarantee to, Phil, uh, to, to Jim Ryan that the game's not going to leave for at least three years, right? They, that, that is the guarantee that they gave them, that there's going to be content parry. And it's three years after the current agreement. So it's somewhere between four and six years, depending on how the years are actually counted. We don't have the exact Call of Duty uh, terms available to us, right? In fact, it's, we don't even uh, have the exact terms. It's 2024. Terms just, just not to interrupt, but it's 2024. Brad Smith says... That oh, there, yeah, he, he okay. specified that the Call of Duty Sony deal okay. is still to the end of 2024. We did get okay, information. So then on it would that. be 20. So they're essentially extending this to 2027, right? They offered three years after that deal. So they're offering this because they know the regulators are going to likely require a a term. They're never going to. No one's ever going to require an indefinite term because. Uh, there's there's other responsibilities, and I'll get into them in a second. No one's ever going to make Microsoft sign an indefinite term, and Microsoft would only ever sign anything of the sort, like as an absolute last resort, if they had to go, if they were actually taken to the court systems and they wanted to settle out of court, right? Like that, indefinite terms don't really exist, and when they do, they're very very limited indefinite terms. Bungie has a very unique indefinite term where. They say that they'll support their community wherever it is, but they basically get to define wherever it is as, as a company. Um, 
And so Microsoft is getting ahead of all of this and saying, like, look, we know we're going to have like, – like, like they're, they're saying that, hey, we don't think we need to sign a, dis- a consent decree, and everyone's kind of laughing at them because they're going to have to. Like, it's, it's ridiculous to think they won't, and, like, they just kind of have to posture themselves in that position. But they're, they're trying to make it seem like they, they are the good guys and that they will work with whatever they want. And so they offer Sony essentially what they think – like, a minimum – amount of terms would be on top of this that that would be required so that Sony could actually adapt their business model to a world where they might not have the the revenue from Call of Duty that is a that is a fair thing to do because you don't like what what you don't want is a complete market disruption where an actual massive competitor could be highly damaged in an instant right and that that's a very bad thing to happen in any market, whether or not like we're fans of one company or another. You you really don't want that because then you have regulators looking down everyone's necks, and Microsoft doesn't want that. They dealt with it with the next with Netscape and everything in the early two thousands. So they are getting ahead of this, and they are basically offering what they think the bare minimum would be in a consent decree. Jim Ryan doesn't think it's enough, and he shouldn't think it's enough it, because. He, he, he wants what's best for his platform, period. Mm-hmm. He should want what's best for his platform. Right. He has a fiduciary responsibility. And so he's basically saying that this is not enough. Now, he uses stupid words, stupid words, like uh, they didn't think about our gamers. Motherfucker, you don't ever think about any uh, gamers but well, yourself. Well, look at how look, many look at games those... they uh, locked look, behind, pay, like, um, you know, the, exclusive the, deals, right? <laughs> exclusive deals I'm not even mad about. That, that That's how the games played. Everyone does it. Well, Microsoft yeah. does it yeah. to a lesser extent. But to keep games off of Game uh, Pass, for example. The, the keeping the stuff off Game Pass, I, I, I went on a rant on Twitter about that today, right, from the actual legal document that came out of Brazil. And I, I went on a, a tear about that today. It upset me greatly, right? But they, Jim, wants what's best for his company. So he's going, and he's hedging his bets that the FTC or the CMA, or for, for all purposes, I'm just going to say FTC for the rest of the night, but FTC is any regulator worldwide, right? Jim thinks he can get a better deal out of the regulators, which is a ballsy move, because if the regulators don't agree with him, Hey, he's just thrown away three years of safety, right? And mm-hmm. just because that three-year deal exists, does, everyone's saying that, oh, my God, it's going to go non-exclusive after this. No. If Brad Smith's out here saying it's, that they want to bring it to the Nintendo Switch, they really do want – like, he publicly said that in February, right? Like, this isn't, like, some rumor. He publicly said it on CNNBC, right? Like, like not to, like, just an obscure, like, journal. I think he said it on, I believe, national television in an interview, Right? And so, that if Microsoft's not forced to do it, they can always change ship because that that that's why Microsoft only wants a certain amount of years on the term, right? That Microsoft only wants as little as they want because they have a responsibility to have as dynamic a business position as possible that should a time come when it doesn't make sense to have Call of Duty on the other platforms or should the market shift. It in a way that it doesn't make sense at all. I currently think that right now Call of Duty as a platform is bigger than the, the desire for it to be exclusive. And I, from the way that they're signaling, I think they do too. They do it with Minecraft, and even Sony does it is now doing it with Bungie and the MLB. The, the concept exists industry-wide. Um, but 
if there's a time where they go, oh, so many people did come over to our platform just because it was on Game Pass, regardless of exclusivity. Well, maybe it doesn't make sense to put in the the actual cost to develop it for these other platforms anymore because, well, we don't need to, right? Like the actual financial benefit of the literally the $1 billion that Call of Duty makes a year on PlayStation, right? It makes one-sixth of the Bethesda deal as a single game every year on PlayStation alone, right? Maybe they maybe that doesn't happen anymore just because it's now on Game Pass, right? Or or maybe maybe the the competition gets really really fierce because a competition between Sony and Microsoft is not as fierce as Sega and Nintendo or Sega and Sony back in like the the real console war areas. We're in the kitty console war areas right now, right? We're not in the companies are actually making console war like ads anymore right like like all of the companies have kind of grown out of that a little bit there's still a little bit of it but like a lot of it is it is gone and if they ever get back into that then maybe it does make sense to pull call of duty to to, to pull all the punches but we're, we're not really there right now and but they, they want that di- that dynamic ability to change their their business model because that is also their fiduciary responsibility to their investors that if they find that one business model that the experimental game pass model say they find it doesn't work or say they find it works really well and that they they should shift and do this well that they need the option available to themselves to do it so they want as little of a consent degree term as possible right so that's why they offered three years that's that's the littlest as possible they thought they could get and now they're essentially just bargaining right that like it's going to end up bargaining in the regulatory committees. Like, will they even get three? You know, because maybe maybe the the FTC doesn't even think that they need to give them anything, right? Or maybe they think that they only need eighteen months. Well, Jim Ryan has made a big gamble here, thinking that he can get more. And in Jim Ryan manner, he said a lot of freaking stupid things, right? Caring about our gamers? Who cares about your gamers, right? I mean, I'm one of his gamers, but like. Why, why should Xbox be directly caring about your gamers with something they're going to own? Because you don't care about other platforms with stuff that you own unless an external source makes you like the MLB, right? The only reason MLB the show is on Xbox is because the MLB demanded it when they renegotiated their contract. And, and same thing with Bungie, right? When they bought Bungie, the only reason Bungie's still going to be releasing stuff on the platform is the only way they could buy Bungie was, but, was to agree that Bungie could exist wherever they wanted. I you mean, know what I mean? It's very hypocritical considering, like... Again, yeah, everybody it, and their grandmother like wanted Microsoft to be way more aggressive, right? Yes, exactly. It's very hypocritical. And maybe not so much from him, because Sony doesn't really want them to be more aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, them as a well, company don't really want no, them to be more No, but I'm talking about, like, journalists and stuff. Journalists that... did, yes. and consumers did, definitely. The consumers are the biggest group that wanted everyone to be more competitive. But Nintendo doesn't give a damn about Xbox or PlayStation. PlayStation doesn't give a damn about Nintendo or Xbox, and Xbox doesn't give a damn about the others, except where they have to, right? And their games as a platform, they're going to kind of care, right? Like, Microsoft cares about PlayStation in the terms of, like, Minecraft, right? Like, that, that, that's about the extent of it, right? Right now, right? That they want... Because Minecraft is such a platform of a game, and Minecraft, they, they sell, like, millions and millions of dollars with the Realm servers, and, the like, Minecraft kind of solidified cross-play alongside Fortnite, right? And so Microsoft 
cares about PlayStation in terms of they want them to exist as a competitor so that, like, a competitor exists and they don't get into some kind of regulatory trouble. Now, mm-hmm. and a competitor doesn't have to exist uh, even if you have, like, a, a massive market share. You can look at Windows. But they would rather a competitor exist alongside them than not because they can point to it when they want to buy something else. Does that make sense? And the nicer mm-hmm. they are in this acquisition and making this acquisition, the easier it is to make future acquisitions, even lar- even medium to large scale ones. And I'm, I'm starting to believe that maybe they are trying to target another another large company after this because they are they are really trying to show that, like, look, you know, we'll come to the table. We'll, we, we, we're doing these massive PR campaigns. We're agreeing to with unions, unions of all things. You know, tech con- industry hates unions. And it, it's – but Jim well... Ryan – Jim Ryan says some dumb things. But I would argue, too, it's almost like a dick-waving contest, too, in yeah, some it ways. Yeah, it is. Because it's it like, is. you know, they're beating your chest. Yeah, they're both doing their job. They're both beating their chest, and they're both trying to get the best deals for their company. At the end of the day, that's what it is, mm-hmm. right? Right. That And Microsoft tries to come off as altruistic with some of its things, right? Like, they support cross-play. They support, um, uh, like... They're going to support Call of Duty on other platforms for at least a little while. I think it'll be forever, but at least a little while. And they they do things like Minecraft everywhere. And Game Pass is on phones. It's on PC. Any Chrome browser, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not really doing it altruistically. They're doing it for money because it makes the most financial sense for their business model, right? Mm-hmm. And... The same thing is true with Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan's just not a very charismatic and altruistic person to begin with. He's he's doing exactly what's best for his company, but he really put his foot in his mouth with a lot of what he said, and it, it comes off as uh, it, it comes off as uh, like this would damage us and we would lose the top market share, and that is not the job of the FTC to protect, right? The F- mm-hmm. if if suddenly the roles were shifted. And one was, and PlayStation was now in Xbox's place, and Xbox was now in PlayStation's place. The FTC wouldn't care, because competition's the same, but the parties have shifted, right? That and the FTC and the CMA and those people aren't there to protect competitors. They are there to protect competition, right? That the competition between everyone in the industry still exists and isn't damaged does it matter who's on top and who's on bottom if the competition still exists and the the players positions have changed that that's that's fine right and even if positions have changed e- like even like like have gone up and down as long as there is still con- like a, still a highly competitive market especially since there are plenty of third parties and the the industry has been very dynamic we've seen like it go from like the Xbox on top for most of the 360 era, and then PlayStation on top, and the PS4, and the the Wii U being like the like the worst modern console in history, and then like <laughs> the Switch being the juggernaut that it is, right? Very dynamic industry. So like it's it's already that players shift around all the time. So so I I I, I do want to say that Jim Ryan's had some dumb fucking things, and like he should be lambasted for them. But he was also doing his job in the actual messaging that he was saying and beating his chest to get the best deal for his company. Well, again, yeah, sometimes he says some really dopey things. Sometimes he says, well, you know, straws the line. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I, I get it, Jim. I, I do get it. Um, Protecting or thinking about our customers is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, well, again, that's a, a big, big company line. But uh, I'm curious about some other panel thoughts here. Uh, well said there, Crusader. Uh, Timmy, I know you want to dive into this. Uh, do you agree with what uh, Crusader's uh, saying? What do you think of uh, Jim Ryan's uh, overall remarks here? Well, yeah, I agree mostly with what Crusader's saying. Always well-spoken. Um, listen, I, I, I kind of came off that it was a little desperate. Um, I, I think he went for, uh, uh, I think he, he, he angled for a position of public opinion and it blew up in his face. Um, he, he you, you are right. Uh, you know, um, Crusader in saying that, you know, he's trying to get the best deal for, uh, play PlayStation gamers. Um, but what I don't get is that, listen. People are all under the assumption that Xbox is going to keep it off of PlayStation. That is not the case here. Basically, what Xbox wants to do here and Microsoft wants to do here, and people have accused Phil of being a cupcake, they want some return on investment. And what that means is that they basically, after the three years is done, which is uh, compacted with two years that's already existing, so you're talking about five years realistically, um, they want to have an ability to negotiate the uh, the game going onto another platform, whether it's Nintendo, Sony, or whoever. They just want money, probably. Uh, it's not going to be an astronomical amount of money, but it will be something where that you know they they can get a little bit of money for having their game on another platform. Uh, I don't think that they have any intentions of taking it off. I don't think that that's where they're going here. They just want to, they want to, you know, I heard a lot of talk of RIO, and I didn't know what that meant until I, you know, started talking. I, I didn't know what it meant when I kept reading it from people from Microsoft, and that's return on investment. And, um, you know, they're just trying to maximize their money. So I think, you know, Jim took something, and I think he took it way too far. Uh, I don't think that Phil's looking to make it exclusive. Um, I don't even think Phil will have exclusive DLC for Xbox uh, and stuff like that. Uh, he doesn't uh, believe in that stuff. So basically what you would have is a deal that's similar to Minecraft, but there's no there's no real perks to Xbox fans other than Game Pass, which is a real big perk. But, you know, you're not getting exclusive content. Uh, I don't think it'll be pro pro they'll they'll, you know, obviously make it to, to the head development um, for the game where PC will be, which will be a change, because I believe its head development is now PS5, or Sony, or has been since this deal has been going through. Things like that will change, will benefit Xbox gamers. But overall, what you have here is a, a, a Minecraft situation. And um, and uh, I think what, what Jim did was he broke NDA, and uh, when that happened that day, I know for a fact... Basically, Microsoft was told to shut up. That means whoever wants to comment, who usually comments is on stuff or would, would be opinionized on this, basically were told to shut up because Jim kind of uh, took a mile with that. You know, He blamed Phil for kind of uh, you know breaking the NDA or flapping his gums or what, what you want to say, um, but he took, he took that and he took a mile. And um, I'm sure that that's... Uh, 
you know, I'm sure that wasn't frowned upon by the these regulatory divisions, and it didn't make Sony look good. Like I said, he he came off thinking that he was going to have uh, a big public opinion splash on his side, thinking that people would say, oh, it's going to be exclusive to Xbox and no more Call of Duty. But I think people saw through it. I think that we're very knowledgeable. You listen to the people on this podcast and all the podcasts. You know, there's 25 podcasts going, PlayStation guys, Sony guys. We're very educated on this stuff. I think most people uh, realized what it, what it was, what he, what he did, and uh, it came, he came off badly. And a lot of people also... Uh, you know, they showed their real colors in regards to this. Uh, you can say what you want, but, you know, there are people that, that lean Sony in, in, in the industry or and, and or, you know, uh, uh, you know, the public forum. You know, I mean, I had I, had, I went back and forth with Jeff Keighley, who I, I'm cool with, but I just felt like, you know, his side was definitely coming from the Sony side and. And I, I don't think that it's fair to say that, like, Xbox is going to come in here and be the big, bad guy that Jim would be and probably take it off the system. I think you have Phil, who's made pretty comments, pretty much public comments, um, that he would like to have all gamers to have all existing gamers. Now, then people will say, well, what about Bethesda? What about their deals? Um, the fact of the matter is Xbox did that as a, uh, you know, a means of survival. You look at what happened at the start of this generation with uh, exclusive deals, year deals, Final Fantasy VII, all this stuff, uh, you know, going on. You definitely have to have an exclusive suite to your uh, system. And I do think that Phil would be open to putting Game Pass on PlayStation, but I don't think Sony wants any part of that. So I think the whole thing came off very... Uh, ill-advised on Jim's part um, and uh, I think he pissed off Phil and Microsoft is definitely pissed off and uh, Crusader made the point that you know the way they're going about this signals to him that they might go the way they're going about this so head in that there might be other deals and I 100% agree with what he's saying right there basically they're they're gearing up uh, they believe they have a a, a fair way of going about this um, and uh, they, they want to even go further and that's why you heard the double down talk and stuff like that uh, that you know they, that was coming up before this all blew up um, that yeah I wouldn't be surprised if they do another deal and go through this whole thing again uh, because uh, I think they believe in Brad Smith and I think they believe in their vision and I don't think that they're uh, trying to make anything exclusive they're just, they have their vision, they have their Game Pass, they have their xCloud, and, um, you know, this whole thing with CMA, uh, I kind of find it uh, disingenuous on CMA's part where, you know, they cite Game Pass and they cite xCloud, and yeah, there are advantages for Xbox, but that's because Xbox built them, and they took losses on them, and they saw a future of... of of what like Stadia sees and, and, and Amazon. They, they wanted to get into that. Sony didn't want to spend money. Sony didn't want to get involved with that. Sony just wanted to be archaic and have the same console under your console. As their gamers were even saying, um, what were they saying? Uh, uh, fixed gaming or like, uh, you know, like they, they, they prided themselves that they didn't play on the cloud 
and that they're better and whatever, that they can only play in one position. Where just in today's day and age with media and the way it goes, it's just unrealistic. Everything is going to be at your fingertips and, and available to you, whether you're on a plane, hotel, wherever you have an internet connection. And that's just the way things are going. Um, and for Microsoft to build that out and then have that used against them because Sony doesn't want to spend money. Uh, they'd rather raise, price, uh, raise prices on, you know, hardware that they're, they're already making cheaper as we, you know, I think there might be a subject down the line tonight, but, um, you know, like the whole thing just came off bad and, uh, you know, I, I honestly think it's it's going to get even more ugly. I think that, that Sony's at the point where uh, they're, they're going to fight this and they're going to really, you know, go look for, you know, some type of dis- decree. And I do think that they will get it. Um, but I don't think that they'll block the deal. I think that ultimately they would love the deal to be blocked. But uh, they're all in to fight this. And Jim's basically threw his, his everything on the table. And uh, it's gonna. I think it's gonna get ugly, and I'm just glad that Xbox community really sees it for what it is. Uh, you know, somebody was saying to me like, "Why are you talking like that?" And it's just like, because I remember days where so many people were against Xbox, and the public opinion was just so against them that they couldn't win. They would have to answer to like the stupidest things of why they did something, and now. They have a lot of people on their side, um, and they have a lot of people who want this deal to go through. So ultimately, it will go through. We'll probably have some consent decrees, um, and uh, it's, like I said, I think it's going to get a little bit more uglier. But and it might take a little bit longer than expected. But uh, they're going full, full, full force at it. So if it does get blocked, they're going to fight it. And uh, sorry for being long-winded on it. I just wanted to give my full thing because, you know, I said I was going to be leaving soon. Um, but overall, I think the big thing to take out of this is what Crusader says. They're going after some more shit. So this is just the beginning. Now, whether you want to say they're a monopoly or not for doing that, I don't think so. I just think that they have a vision and they think that, that uh, they want to go with that. They want to facilitate 3 billion g- gamers. And the only way to do that is to go big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt, Timmy. And uh, well said all around. Uh, you know, you certainly bring up some pretty good points there. Um, yeah, I mean, Jim Ryan's comments, again, like a lot of the time I can go different ways with what he said. Some of it's a lot of corporate speak, others eh, not so much. But uh, again, I'm curious what other panel members think here. Uh, General MLD, buddy, I'd love to hit you up next. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jim Ryan's comments here on this uh, offer that's inadequate? Do you agree with what uh, Crusader and uh, Timmy were saying? Uh, please tell us your thoughts. Oh, for sure. Uh, for one thing, this guy shouldn't write his own uh, press statements anymore. He needs a professional writer to do that. He came across not at all how he wanted to come across. He came off as bitter even pouting to a degree like hey we get it you're the market leader but now you got this uh, underdog brand yes i believe xbox as a brand is an underdog microsoft isn't but they're just using their money now for like, like what seems like the first time ever and sony's just not prepared to handle this but overall it's a it's a blade it's a double standard because 
in the end of the day, it's business. If you want to lock third-party games to your platform, which they have been doing for the longest time, hey, that's is what it is. That's the industry. But don't go complaining when the competition is doing it in their own way. That's ultimately why he he doesn't come across the way he he feels like he should have. Do I believe Call Call of Duty will be eventually exclusive? Probably not. But ultimately, it's good for competition. It's good for gamers. Because, like, you know, day one Game Pass and the ecosystem benefits, as opposed to, you know, how they, you know, they pay for exclusive perks and things that only benefit PS5 uh, gamers. And I'm okay with it, actually. I think he just wants it in writing. He doesn't want the possibility that it will be exclusive. But in the end, I don't care. I mean, let let, let it do it. Let, Let it go like Minecraft. Let their gamers subsidize my gaming. Let them pay full price so I can play the same game for $15 a month. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It is a juggernaut franchise, so it's a a little bit unrealistic for Xbox fans to expect it to be exclusive. Let us stay multiplied and let the money flow in and fund other games in the future that will be exclusive. Now, that said, like, uh, I I feel like this is this this isn't the end of it of the back and forth. Like both sides will definitely have more to say. But overall, though, as 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 someone like myself who's been following what's been going on lately, PlayStation is in no position to play this you know this kind of victim card or or kind of whatever it is they're they're trying to do. Like they raise game prices, they raise their console prices. Backwards compatibility is behind a paywall. Ten dollar upgrade upgrade tax. Seventy dollars for Last of Us One with the same gameplay. And no, no multiplayer. You're blocking high-profile third-party games like like Final Fantasy VII, which we still don't know when it's coming to Xbox, or Deathloop, or Ghostwire Tokyo, which are technically Xbox first-party games. They pay Game Pass blocking rights, and they want to appear as this like this hurt lamb, this, this victim card. Give me a break. It, you guys want Xbox to compete? Those fans that say Xbox has no games, well. This is how they're doing it. This is them competing. Do not complain and then cry about in the manner in which they are competing. This is it. You got to deal with it. And then in the end, competition will be better. The market share will even itself out and both companies will be forced to do better. See all this anti-consumer stuff that I just listed that PlayStation is doing. Maybe if Xbox, you know, this deal goes through, Xbox gains some market share. Maybe they'll have to walk back some of these bad policies. Maybe they'll have to just do better as a brand and not rely on their brand name and people just to blindly buy their console without lo- with, by, by losing Call of Duty uh, marketing rights. Like in the future, we're going to have uh, Christmas bundles only for Xbox, holiday marketing, only Xbox logos. That will, that, that will have an impact. Even if it's on PlayStation, it'll still have an impact and they know it. So now they'll be forced to look for something else to put their name on or something like that. But that's the point. It's competition and it'll be closer. And that's ultimately what matters here. And anyone who decides to be in the Xbox ecosystem, they're going to benefit from this one way or another. So it's going to go through. We, we all expected this. We all expected this some kind of scrutiny. We all expected some kind of back and forth, but certainly not like this. So this is, this is kind of funny. This kind of back and forth. It's kind of like the console wars on the executive level. So, uh, yeah, let's see how this plays out. But overall, it is not a good look for him. It did not go the way he wanted it to go. Well, again, it's not Microsoft's fault that uh, PlayStation neglected, uh, like, you could say their multiplayer lineup, right? I mean, Killzone was never the quote-unquote Halo killer or big multiplayer game that, 
you know, it was meant to be. Uh, same thing with Mag, you know, the massive action game, for example, that goes back. Uh, I could go on, but they've relied a lot on uh, multiplats, the big multiplats to fulfill their uh, multiplayer like needs, like a Call of Duty, for example. And, uh, you know, maybe that wasn't such a smart thing at their end, whereas... Again, Xbox, you know, they still need to address uh, certain genres, but they certainly never needed to address the multiplayer aspect. Halo, uh, Gears of War. Again, I can name uh, quite a few other games. Hmm? Forza. Yeah, Forza, exactly. Yeah, the, the Xbox Trinity. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, no, no, I, I think, it's, I think it does speak to the Sony. I think they're trying to buy some time before their live service games are ready to go and see which ones are hits and which ones are misses. They're going to be going through that kind of growing pains process. And then they, they kind of need call of duty in the meantime to kind of have their casual multiplayer fix because they don't have any themselves. Cause as you said, they kind of, like, we all know that pattern, the single player third person uh, action, action adventure kind of thing that they kind of box themselves into. They're only now only starting to learn had a hey multiplayer kind of matters again if we want to have a ps plus and have it grow we should probably have first party multiplayer games to go with that so i think right uh, overall though yeah jim ryan he's, he's fishing for time he needs time to keep call of duty and wean themselves off it until their own games are, are ready mm -hmm. yeah no well said there mld uh, i agree with all your points there you make some really excellent points actually um across you know also addressing um the lack of uh yeah like he really addressed uh, the shortcomings of uh playstation especially in uh like the past year or so so uh you know the backwards compatibility thing ew, not very good at all um you know. and they, also charged, they also charged uh wanted to charge for cross supplies you remember that oh i forgot um, that yeah still are and that could also yeah. be a negotiating term that microsoft wants to go away be like well, yeah. And they could even argue that, look, you have to agree to end this. Not not just for their game, but they have to agree to end it mm -hmm. in general. Yeah, there's some other publishers there that, uh, you know, were doing that. I think, what was it, 2K, for example, they were starting they to do that. Yeah. Borderlands yeah. 3 took a year to be cross-play with them when it was cross-play with everyone else. You know what, what I, too, what uh, also um, I'm thinking about, uh, it's that... You know, in, in, the, in the course of public opinion, a lot of times, like I said back in the day, Xbox was behind the eight ball with that stuff. Like, you'd have all these journalists come out and everyone would be bashed. It would be like Tin Dog, the, the fanboy, and a few others are saying the other side. But, you know, mostly uh, they would get their, their points driven through, through you know, ad nauseum, like whatever, whatever it was with the narrative at the time. But... I think what hurt them is that they always had this persona of being the big bag dog, you know, peeing their chests when they hit 100 million consoles and having, you know, this, this huge lineage of video games and being the big bad guy on the block, you know, knocking off Dreamcast and doing all that they've done in the past. For them to come in a weak position where, like, he came in looking as if he's pleading or if he's like whining and acting like PlayStation is shit without Call of Duty, which is not true because you look at Nintendo doesn't even have Call of Duty and they're successful. Um, sure, it helps, but for him to just like 
make this as like the such a huge reason for you know Sony's success and that they can't compete. Um, it just really came off bad. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it just wasn't. It's just not what they're usually about. The way they come off, and I think Jim uh, definitely did a disservice to to the to the brand a little. And uh, who knows how far this is going to go? Like, I suspect there's going to be more fireworks. But um, yeah, I just like like that really took me by surprise. Just like this once big proud company and you know they can you know cannot be bothered with anybody else and now like we're done if you don't get call of duty it's over they just you know and just like the way they came off crying and whining and, and pouting or whatever you want to say just was not a good luck and, and the public perception all picked up on that i mean there were so many people that brought up all the stuff MLD really just gave a laundry list of everything that they've done. Um, and, uh, you know, people were just, it, for me, it was, it was a moment where, you know, I remember in 2017, 2016, 2014, where there were times where I felt like I was one man beating the drum. And I'm not just saying that, like, I'm the ultimate fan, which I'm not, but I was on Twitter when nobody was on Twitter. And, you know, that's why I have a following that I do is because, not because I'm different than any other guy. It's just been around there for the longest time. I was there since, you know, talking to Aaron Greenberg since 2012 about Connect. Um, so I've been there and I've seen it. And I, I remember the days where it was just like few Xbox guys and then there would just be like this media avalanche and, and then, you know, all these people would just come in and bash Xbox. It was just like so weird reading and just seeing like the whole community I have to say the whole xbox community from everyone like just really stepped up and was like this is bullshit and they, they were well spoken and they they you know they went about it like to me it made me proud of just the community because you know we really made our point and we really kind of you know called out the bullshit and the, the usual, you know, the usual guys, whether it was a guy like Derek Strickland um, of Tweak, Tweak News, he, he wrote an article on, like, this cod was made out, uh, you know, from PlayStation. It wouldn't be where it was. And then there was so many Xbox fans like Kate Hunter. Well, he's not even an Xbox. He's like a, just a journalist. And he's like, what are you talking about? 360 is what really built cod. Uh, and that was the dude, bro. People made fun of the dude, bro. Remember the Doritos and then God and the dude, bro, shooter system, and that's all Xbox was, and and uh, the COD and all that stuff. It really was was under Xbox that was was its growing and calling cards. So for the for the for the Call of Duty and its history, Xbox has been a huge history a part of it. It wasn't until two thousand fifteen where Nintendo as X Sony got really smart and said, you know what, let's take it let's take their playbook and let's use it against them. And by them doing that, they won that MPD when they had no games. They basically had nothing on Charter Collection. Xbox had a ton of games. Uh, come out that holiday, triple A's, and guess who won? It was Sony, and it was a large part because of the COD deal. The COD, remember the exclusive console they had, and it was such a big deal that the marketing deal. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is a huge asset, 
And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I just, just shout out to all the Xbox fans who really came with their A game and, uh, and, and just, just in, in the views of public reception and stuff like that, I think you really made a case here. And Sony kind of looked like Sony and, and even their fans, like some of them were like Pitbull, Jim Ryan doing a great job. It just came off as just, just disingenuous. Like, what are you talking about? They just raised the prices on you guys. And, you know, <laughs> they have no answer for it. They basically make it a cheaper console and they just did it to gouge you because they kind of just think that they can. Mm-hmm. And they did it, and, and all of a sudden, their their supply now is is the best it ever was. Right when they have a price hike, it makes you really think, you know, um, like what the hell's going on here, you know? And I just think they've had a lot of history of, uh, or recently of doing anti-consumer things, and and Xbox it seems like every other day is coming up with a, another way to save you money or get four more other gamers to game with Xbox family for $5 if you all chip in and for, for, for a month to get ultimate. I mean, like the Xbox Game Pass family, that's going to be huge. We've talked about that. But that's like consumer-based stuff that helps you as a gamer and expands and it's good stuff. And that's what Xbox has been doing recently. And, and all I've seen is like these moves that Sony's been pulling and a lot of bullshit coming their way. And uh, at, at a time, Jim came out, and it just was like, uh, like what the hell? But I want to hear from other members. I know I've been long-winded. I'm going to be getting out of here soon. Um, but my overall opinion is, you know, great commentary from this panel. And just Xbox fans, I love you, man. You guys, you're the best. Way to, way to just, just know your shit and just, you know, come, come great with an argument and, you know, see through the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well said, Tim. Well said. Always the passionate man. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your knowledge on the matters. And uh, you're right. You know, Xbox has certainly a history with COD. But uh, yeah, you know what? We have some really patient guys on the panel and they are really kind and really awesome. I'll go over next to Centurion, buddy. I know you're waiting uh, to chime in here. Uh, do you agree with what the rest of the panel members are saying? Or, you know, please give us your thoughts, uh, your own opinions on this. I agree with everything that's being said um, more along the lines in my thought process trying to figure out how to add to the conversation without regurgitating what's already been said um, and you know General MLD uh, brought up a very good point um, you know this is the funny part is this is Jim Jim Ryan basically shot himself in the foot this is his own doing this was created by the company he works for and the decisions that were made by the leadership before him. It, it started with the PS3 and the half-assed multiplayer network. You guys, the world could say whatever they want to me. That's just my opinion. It was completely half-assed. It was put together by duct tape and bubblegum and ran by three hamsters looking for water. I mean, like, it was the worst hack in gaming history when it back in 2011 because literally somebody backdoored their network with a google search um and i mean that that's just absolutely insane um for them multiplayer and an online infrastructure has always been an afterthought um and we could see this with titles like you know let's reach back in time to the ps3 area resistance fall of man uh kill zone 
We even had multiplayer with the legendary Last of Us. Um, and we and now if you look at what that game is now, the game has been remade three times and the multiplayer is basically nowhere to be seen. There was supposed to be multiplayer in Last of Us 2. Still don't know where the hell that's at. Um, Sony has been very codependent on, has pretty much rested a lot of their, what has attracted customers to their platform on third-party studios. Microsoft, Phil Spencer, Xbox, they all went through getting, you know, basically bit on the hand, bit in the ass, whatever you want to call it, when with, you know, let's bring it up, Scalebound, uh, Fable Legends, there, there's been a lot of third-party hiccups that have costed Microsoft a lot of money. They've costed Microsoft a lot of uh, unpopular opinions in the media. And this is all due to third-party um, situations. And for some reason, Sony completely thought that the, this situation could never happen. It would be um, um, non-existent to them. Uh, they were just fine with the way things were without nurturing and growing the company. And they were just fine with their cookie-cutter concept of uh, first-party um, first studios creating third-person, over-the-shoulder cinematic experiences with very big commonalities between them. Um, and now that's really starting to, uh, you know, it's really the cracks of that is starting to show. And um, Jim Ryan is very worried because he never thought, like, I'm pretty sure, like, let's, I remember when the situation with Activision Blizzard came out and Bobby Kotick was seen as being an out-of-control monster in the gaming industry that basically is almost like a predatory boss. Um, and he, I made the joke that Xbox needs to buy Activision and get it away from Bobby Kotick. It was a completely big joke. Um, and then shortly after that, it, it came out that Microsoft did make them an offer, and it completely blew my mind. And that's where Jim Ryan at that point was like, God, I didn't expect that to happen where um, Activision would run their leadership would run the company into the ground. The company would unionize and Microsoft would put themselves into a position where they could purchase Activision. And this was something that honestly, Jim Ryan, if he was a savvy businessman should have been planning for, he should have been nurturing multiplayer experiences rather than leaving them to third party companies and basically relinquishing a certain amount of power and control of his brand to people that he honestly has no true control over, especially if they're bought out. And that's where we're starting to see Jim Ryan cry about the situation of, you know, it's not good for PlayStation gamers. What's not good. Like we all saw the doc. We all saw the statements made. Phil Spencer said that they offered parody across the games, equality, but Phil, but Jim Ryan doesn't want equality. He wants his exclusive cosmetic items, his early access to multiplayer maps, uh, exclusive access to this, exclusive access to that mode. It, it basically, he doesn't want there to be parity. He wants PlayStation to stay on top. And Crusader basically said it best. We're not, the regulators are not here to protect Sony's ass. They're here to protect competition. 
And if Sony wants to, uh, let's take it out of their opinion, uh, stay crouched down and basically remember when they all came out the towards the end of the PS4 generation, we're going to crouch down and make our next move. Well, you guys have been crouching for a very long time mm-hmm. and you have been standing still. You're relying on a lot like the only on the, in my honest to God opinion, the only franchise that you are nurturing and growing right now is God of War. That's it. You're you're you've like Last of Us 2 came out and that was a complete cluster F of a game launch. Anybody can say how great that game was. Literally, the developers had to revolt over at Naughty Dog and start leaking the game online because literally people they were literally going to cost people their homes because they were holding this game back and a lot of money was tied behind this. It literally turned into a shitstorm of a polit- of a public relations nightmare when The Last of Us 2 launched. And the only thing that they've done with The Last of Us franchise since is keep ra- remastering a damn game. So, and, and we're just going back to Spider-Man. Hey, cool. You know what's funny about that? It's not an IP that Sony created. That's an IP that Sony bought into. Sony has made a legacy of creating this stigma and false idea that they create these absolute beautiful exclusive experiences they don't create them they they basically get lucky every once in a while but for the most part they would prefer to buy these exclusive experiences and not have to you know that whole concept of you know very little input get a i mean very little output and get a lot of money input um, and this is a very interesting time to be a gamer and watch this whole situation unfold because for the first time ever, we're watching PlayStation sweat. They they understand that the days of PlayStation just complacently standing around going, we're PlayStation, give us our money. No, there, there's bigger and better things in the sea now. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of their games come to the PC network uh, we're starting to see a lot more competition across gaming as a whole, especially with Game Pass at the forefront. Um, Sony has to go back to the drawing board, and basically Jim Ryan and the rest of Sony are doing what everybody does best when it comes to change, and that is basically being dragged into it, kicking and screaming, uh, not wanting things to change. And, I mean, what more can you say other than he is basically grasping at straws at this point, And I have to agree completely with uh, Crusader. Uh, Jim Ryan better hope to God that him making these comments and trying to take the stance that he is works in Sony's favor because he's going to really look like an idiot if by some chance these regulators come in and give Microsoft a better deal, uh, basically a better opportunity to have a much shorter length of time to do this um but i also don't see call of duty going exclusive i've always been saying i don't see a world where call of duty being exclusive exactly works uh in financial favor um it grows a lot of money across the entire industry um and making the game exclusive would be very sour to a lot of consumers especially consumers that don't like to see consolidation in the industry um, and I just really don't see uh, a way of making Call of Duty um, exclusive and it's still working. But I do see Microsoft wanting to at least have the ball in their court with, especially with Sony now owning Bungie. 
you know, what if by some chance they're able to convince Bungie later on in life to make this game exclusive or that game exclusive? Well, at least Microsoft has that ace in hand on like, well, we could do this with Call of Duty. So it's almost like the whole concept of especially with, uh, you know, it's it's referred to in warfare as mutually assured destruction. Basically, uh, they will hold each other at a stalemate because neither company wants to see uh, either company do something that could potentially harm their their ecosystem and that's where i just really see titles like this not becoming exclusive i hope that made sense yeah no it makes perfect sense and uh you know i agree with a lot of what you said you had a lot, a lot of good points there centurion and uh yeah i mean honestly i'm loving the discussion that we're having on this um and you know what i i gotta go off to eric here eric shockley brother i know you've been patiently waiting as well to dive in here what are your thoughts on uh jim ryan's comments here about uh xbox's call of duty offer being inadequate uh, do you agree with what the other panel members saying do you have any other uh thoughts to add to that please join in here yeah for yeah pretty much for the most part um it it is funny i get this uh kind of sentiment from the uh movie famous movie training day where you know jim ryan is in this case alonzo and phil spencer's jake and that's where he's you know that whole famous scene where he's like you know and this <laughs> jake or in this case phil <laughs> you think you could do this to me uh by sending him that offer of like hey this is the offer that we're mm-hmm. you know this is what we're gonna give you or guarantee for now you know, it is what it is. <laughs> not saying we're not going to, for all intents and purposes, they're going, you know, going to offer Todd, you know, for years to come. They keep it kind of like what Brad Smith has said, um, like Minecraft, you know, they're trying to keep it in that vein because it's kind of such a ubiquitous, like, franchise at this point. Um, but it's <laughs> it's just funny when it a smaller or, you know, a multi-million dollar company, multi, yeah, multi-million dollar company is a uh, billion, no, sorry, multi-billion dollar company is crying to another trillion dollar company. Uh, but like, cause they, they engage in the similar, you know, similar on a smaller scale type of deals. <laughs> they might not buy the whole company, but they might lock down the pretty much IP for the foreseeable future, maybe a few decades, or, you know, half a decade, <laughs> Um, as it's looking like with some of these Final Fantasy games and, you know, pretty much probably the Spider-Man IP altogether. Um, so it's like, you're just upset that the company's just doing it bigger and in this case, I guess, better. <laughs> or has the, you know, financials to do a bigger deal. So, it, so it's just kind of funny when they're, you know, crying about like, hey, no, this is, you know, this isn't fair. Um but I mean, I I get it from what like Crusader was saying. He's that's that's that is I guess the job he is uh, given, you know, to do the best he can for his shareholders because that would be a massive hit if for somehow, some way, and they actually decide to, hey, we'll give you uh, Warzone, but we're not going to give you uh, the next like annual or you know what or probably won't be annual at this point, but you know like the next Call of Duty entry. Um, and then they say, hey, we'll, use, we'll keep the Warzone entries on PlayStation. We'll keep these other ones for ourselves. Um, I, again, I think he's going to say this 
no matter if it's you know on PlayStation and he's going to come out and probably cry about it being on Game Pass day one and it's it's not equal and fair to for our customers. It's like like really <laughs> like it's just as funny as coming from Sony in this case, just from all the deals and things that they do and stuff that they've locked down in the past. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just funny to me with <laughs> them going back and forth and crying about it. I hope we get more scripts of um, this insider in this case, just openly told it to uh, a journalist, but um, it, it is entertaining. So watching both of these go and seeing how this unfolds, hopefully this deal gets settled soon. So then we can kind of, find out more about it as far as like what they plan to actually do. Um, kind of like with the Bethesda deal, we kind of held out to see when they finally had that event and they closed it, then they came out and finally said, okay, this is what this deal is about. You know, it's about basically exclusives about game pass or places where game Pass is at least. Um, so hopefully it closes soon here. So we can kind of at least start moving somewhat past it. It'll be a while before <laughs> we're actually knowing all the ins and outs of the deal as far as like you know where this is going to go and like when a game gets announced like okay is this a type of game that's going to be on both platforms or are they going to keep some exclusive um but it'll be interesting to see but <laughs> i just get a kick out of it when sony the one that was the company that was you know kicking everybody else in the face for decades um is now just crying about it to a you know <laughs> to you know the the refs or the the FTC, uh, someone else that can you know hear their cries, <laughs> but it's funny. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting. And, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Xbox is. I don't think they're gonna keep the, some of these games. Ex, you know, like COD exclusive. So I'm, I don't think they really have anything to worry about. But you know, and the off chance that it does, you know, he has a point to you know cry about it and try to stop the deal from happening so because <laughs> if the deal doesn't happen then they don't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. yeah well i guess they have to bring back haze right <laughs> uh, um, can i add something real quick <laughs> well i'm just teasing man sorry go I do, good all right all right i'll admit i haven't played but uh, it's just you know going back in time um sorry centurion you want to chime in um, two things, just real quick. One, Jim Ryan, Sony needs to be careful. They're playing with fire because if they really muck this deal up or do anything to potentially harm the outcome of this deal, Phil Spencer comes off as a very, this is my opinion. Phil Spencer comes off as a very timid, timid guy. What happens if by some chance they piss off Phil Spencer and they, they screw this whole deal up? Well, we all know that you know acquisitions are very heavily scrutinized partnerships are not microsoft has obviously 70 billion dollars to burn into gaming what happens if by some chance phil goes out with the microsoft checkbook with this chip on his shoulder towards playstation and jim ryan and starts snatching up all third-party exclusive deals basically doesn't care what the price tag is gets back marketing for call of duty 
goes over here and pays X amount of money for a game to be made for Xbox and to keep it off PlayStation. Goes and goes over here and does the exact same thing. Basically, at that point, that would be like, well, we could completely railroad Sony into a painful area of not making very much revenue because there is not one government regulatory stipulation that says I'm not allowed to go out and do this. Sony needs to be careful about the situation of do you really want to awaken the sleeping giant by fucking them over? Because at the end of the day, don't care what anybody says or believes, Microsoft has trillions of dollars and Xbox can be backed up by a very large pocketbook that Sony has no chance of matching. And also, I see what's going on in the chat. I'm not trying to be that guy, like when they're talking about, for starters, what happens if the CMA doesn't approve it? Well, this is where world stuff starts taking a place. So if the CMA does not approve it, it can botch this entire deal because the CMA is actually one of the strictest government regulators in the world outside of the outside of the EU. And in the world of merger agreements, whoever has the stricter rules is king. And they have stopped mergers before in the past of American companies because the fact of the matter is Microsoft goes over there and does a lot of business in the UK. To make Not just the that, it's, there, there's a lot of British studios under oh, yes. um under uh the the Activision Blizzard label, right? R like, right. There's actually a lot of cuz the, the the most they could do is say you'd have to divest some stuff, but like that would be divesting a lot. Oh yes, and to make this even compounded worse cuz we see like oh we'll just take them to court and sue them. You can't sue the CMA. You can't. The UK has designed laws and legislation to protect the CMA from having this happen to them. There is an appeals process if they can and the and the margins for and like the stipulations for this appeals process is very high. The UK does not want to drag the CMA into court unless it is absolutely necessary on a very large level. So if by some chance they try to drag the CMA into an appeals process, they have to first convince that the convince the courts that the CMA act acted without uh basically the cma didn't do their job right and there's a long process to making that that argument and to make it even worse if by some chance that company wins the appeal process that doesn't mean that the cma is cut out the uk courts will then send it back to the cma for reconsideration but no matter what the cma is heavily ingrained in how these business these business acquisitions take place over there and this has been some, like you can go look at the history of the CMA I did today with Stubbs Gaming me and him chatted about it all morning uh on Twitter DMs and literally the CMA took on General Electric Electric back in the early 2000s and basically said no you cannot have a merger and General Electric had to basically throw their throw the towel in the ring, and they basically didn't have a leg to stand up, stand on because the CMA told them no. Um, now, from what I've chatted with people, um, they really do think that the CMA is going to come out with some what because the CMA doesn't call them uh, like here in the United States. It's called uh, consent decrees over yeah. the over there. It's more like stipulations or requirements. 
They have another um, term for it, legal yes. term for it. The same thing. Right. And but the nice thing is though, um, a lot of the companies that the CMA has blocked in the past were unwilling to work with the CMA because they were like, We're an American company. We don't need to answer you. Go F off. Microsoft has come out and said that they are working very closely with the CMA. So they are at least playing ball with CMA. They're in talks with the CMA. This is a way of getting it over the finish line. Uh, but they also, I have also said though, the CMA just cannot take the word of Sony. Sony is one player in the game. They may be the biggest player, but they are one player in the, it, like Sony literally is on an island all themselves where the rest of the industry is just fine with this deal. The Microsoft has the backing of, uh, I think somebody like the CWA, the union that Activision has already created. Facebook. Oh, what? They, oh, yeah. Facebook came out in support of the deal. They did. Meta. Oh, and that, 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 that's the funny part. The, the funny part is Facebook is one of the groups that has been blocked by the CMA. Um, and that's where um, it is possible for the, the CMA to basically to create a very large hurdle. But at least from uh, the people I've chatted with, the things I've read, it, it's a hurdle that Microsoft can clear. Uh, but there's definitely going to be a lot of talks involving this uh, purely because the CMA happens to be a very, very strict regulatory group. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's very rare that any of these groups actually actively block a deal because they don't want to deal with the appeals process. They don't want to deal with the court process. Like, like it's not like Microsoft doesn't want to, but neither does the CMA. Neither does um, the FTC, right? And ultimately, like the, the the biggest deal in the last like ten years that we've seen blocked was the uh, Nvidia's attempted acquisition of ARM, and like that was an extreme, right? Um, the, Nvidia would have controlled like something like seventy to eighty percent of the microprocessor yeah. um, patents in the world, and like control. And, like, that's the bar, basically, of, like, what actually gets blocked versus what has terms of and provisions put on. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I don't see us hitting that. No. I, I really don't. I, I just see it being like, hey, you guys need to make sure that you're not killing other people with, like, moving stuff off platforms. And Microsoft's going to be like, no, we ain't doing that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But, um, damn, no, I... I see the chat, too. It's the big problem with the CMA is it's not they're not looking at this from an entertainment perspective they're looking at the digital distribution side of this whole deal and because of emerging digital markets the cma happens to be the one group in the world that is heavily invested in wanting to regulate what takes place on a digital level mm -hmm. yep and yep. the studios that take that are ending in in london like that, that it's about the workers there too the mm -hmm. workers that directly are in their jurisdiction. Yeah. No, well said, guys. And honestly, we could go on for this for probably hours, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, I mean, overall, I think we've had a pretty wonderful chat, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, Jim Ryan's comments. And, you know, like you said, with the CMA and whatnot and uh, government regulatory bodies, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, when the time comes and when we get the official announcement with uh, Microsoft's uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard King, but uh, time will tell. Time will tell on that, and uh, 
I don't know. Like, again, uh, Jim Ryan and PlayStation, I mean, they're going to have their own deals, honestly. Like, there's going to be more to come, but, uh, you know, damn, they're still pretty salty about uh, Xbox going after uh, Activision, that's for sure. Uh, I noticed that we have a lot of awesome stuff going on in the chat. Uh, thank you guys, like, again, for participating. Uh, you guys have some really awesome commentary there. I noticed a super chat from Carlos Alvarado for 199 Thank you, brother, for that. He says, Rift Breaker gameplay looks like fire. Xbox leads in RTS. Yeah, man, Rift Break Breaker is pretty awesome, honestly. And I need to go back to it to finish it, to be honest with you. Uh, there's only a little bit of it, but it's a fun game. It's a really fun game. And yeah, Xbox has RTS, but I want to see more of those RTSs come to console because, well, why not, right? Get some Age of Empires, Rise of Nations, whatnot. Hey, I'm all over that. I'm all over that. But uh, with that being said, guys, let's move on to some other bits of news. And uh, last week, or maybe a little bit longer, during a Q&A at PAX West, head of Xbox Game Studios, Matt Booty, answered some, well, rather interesting questions surrounding AAA uh, Game Studios, AI, and really just, like, more stuff, like, more about game and games and development. Uh, Centurion Pal, I'll go to you first on this one. Obviously... Uh, lots of stuff to kind of digest and pick at here. Uh, but why don't we start off with like his comments on AAA Studios. Because he's suggesting that uh, that the times of AAA Studios of only like them working on like a singular game, uh, working on large games are over. Like what are your thoughts of big budget titles being made by multiple studios? Is this the new norm for the industry? Because we, again, we see it more and more popping up. God, it's probably going to become a new norm. Um, I mean, <clears throat> let's look at it like, you know, I understand the old concept of creating games is under one roof. Um, you know, basically, I liked how uh, Matt Booty discussed it, saying, you know, everybody come together in the cafeteria on Wednesday, and there we're going to discuss how you need to work harder and all this other stuff to get the game across the line. Um, and you know, stuff like that doesn't take place anymore. There is large games that are being built by multiple, de multiple developers. Um, we see Sony even going down this path because everybody seems hyper-focused on Microsoft, uh, the initiative and everything that they got going on over there with square, uh, crystal dynamics and blah, blah, blah. But even Sony is doing this with Bungie. The whole purpose behind Bungie's acquisition was not to have destiny it was to have a support studio that had people with the knowledge to create games as a service multiplayer based games because sony is creating these games in-house and what better way to get these games across the finish line but to have developers at your disposal that could work cooperatively with your other internal studios to get these games to fruition and have concepts that work and that the players are interested in. And we all know that Bungie is, has created one of the most influential multiplayer games that is on the market today. And what, I mean, who else could you want to have around to help give you, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a con have somebody there as a as a consultant on how to do this. What were you going to say, uh, Crusader? I was going to say someone with experience. 
experience like exactly a consultant somebody that could say oh you don't want to do that trust me you know years ago we tried that and it bit us in the ass or like oh this is a great concept or this is a good this is a great game mechanic um and we're also seeing this with other stuff even like like it's kind of funny because they tried talking about the whole act you know not activision the initiative thing about you know all these developers not wanting to work on the game because of and they're going and they had to bring in crystal dynamics when like literally like let's think about this objectively the initiative studio is only about 100 people they can only do so much unless microsoft wants to basically no life its employees and you know they are just literally living and breathing this game no time for family life they could bring in the support of crystal dynamics Let's look at the game they're working on, uh, Perfect Dark, a game about a strong, pro, a strong protagonist female role. What better studio could you want behind you than somebody who has got a legacy built on creating a strong lead female role with Tomb Raider? It, it's only like, well, yeah, their knowledge make the, the pedigree they have around creating a game like that is perfect for it so yes we are seeing new tactics being used in the gaming industry and we also see some of the short look at 343 don't they got like 3,000 people under the roof 600. crusader 600 or 700 they got a lot but yeah but the, I, there's a good example under sony though what's that last of us part two is developed by 14 studios they, there 14. you go 2,100 and almost 70, I think, it's something in that area. That much? So it was 14 wow. support studios throughout the course of its development that, that worked on it, right? The, not, now, the weird thing with the, 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 you know, the game we're talking about with Xbox is that like, there are two major AAA companies working on it. That's a new thing. But games nowadays always get made by more than one company. Always. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was saying, and people took it out of context. See, uh, twelve. Uh, according to other zinc, twelve hundred are at three four three. Let's just look. look the up. only thing I'm trying to say about three four three is look at how many people are under the damn roof, and they can't get their shit together to get a game across to to basically get one game to a point where there isn't a large section of people that are unhappy with what's going on. Um, and that's where you know you can divide. It's the whole idea: divide and conquer. You know, if you have one support studio that's really good at a multiplayer section, put them on that. If you have another support studio that's really great at making detailed environments and character models, it, like you could literally create a very well put together crafted experience by utilizing the pedigree and the skills of the studios at your disposal to the best of your abilities rather than getting a situation like um, Anthem, where we're going to take one of the best single-player first part, I mean, single-player uh, narrative-driven studios out there, and we're going to somehow shoehorn them into a looter shooter. That doesn't work. And that's where the, the, the concept of using support studios and dividing and conquer really benefits uh, studios that want to branch out and try new things. All right. All right. Not true. True. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the idea 
well, it's not so much an idea. I mean, it's happening more and more in the industry. I think that is pretty much a fact at this point. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you look at the initiative with uh, Crystal Dynamics. Uh, they seem to have, uh, you know, a lot of talent in the studio for making the game that, you know, it makes sense why they would want to partner, uh, why the initiative would want to partner with them. And you see that, like, across different studios as well uh, there's different relationships and they build upon them look at uh, certain affinity with halo for example but then again you know you look at who's there makes sense right but uh, certain studios just have strong dynamics between each other uh general mld buddy i mean i'll go over to you i mean obviously uh you know we're talking about for example triple a studios but uh you know what do you think about matt booty's comments overall at pax west well, overall, though, I think he did good to kind of clear the air and set the record straight, because you know you read a lot of th a lot of the things about how uh, the initiative is losing people left and right, but I, I read that I I'm, I just see that as growing pains. But overall, though, that has nothing to do with them going with Crystal Dynamics. Mm -hmm. the The internal troubles of the initiative have nothing to do with a, a with a established external studio doing all the heavy lifting. And yeah, like as was said before, they know what they're doing here. Like they made the Tomb Raider trilogy. Like I played that trilogy like this year. It's fantastic. It holds up really, really well. To translate that into Perfect Dark, it's gonna be a great game. So some so some head management leaving the main company that doesn't. This is kind of where his comments, you know, it it puts a. It, what am I trying to say? It's clarity. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's clarity. Mm -hmm. Having multiple studios helping you out is a good thing. So if the main company, the initiative, is having some problems, that's okay because the other company will just, you know, they'll do the work because they're not having problems as far as I know. So in the end, the game's going along very nicely. It's not in development hell as people assumed it was. And, you know, going off other comments, he said, like people thought that Fable was like uh, in development hell, but he clarified the air with that too. Even though uh, he said that, you know, you, you're putting the racing team on an RPG and people are like kind of scratching their heads on that. He says he looked at it. They know what they're doing. They know what it takes. And then I'm sure they did do some hiring as well. The, 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 it's not fully the Horizon team. Like they did do some external hiring as well. So I do think they know what they're doing. And uh, I can remind everyone here, uh, Gorilla, Gorilla Studios, they went from Killzone Shadowfall to Horizon. Now, that's not as big of a genre leap, but even so, Killzone Shadowfall didn't really have the best meta score, and then it went, they went into Horizon, and that really scored really well. So, you never really know. Ultimately, I'll give Playground the benefit of the doubt. They make amazing games. They all they all rate very, very well. They know what they're doing. So, I think, they're, I think Fable is in good hands with them. So... Otherwise, yeah, otherwise his comments are pretty standard. The, the industry is changing. Like for Halo, Certain Affinity, they're building some kind of multiplayer mode that outside is outside of 343. Like, okay, sounds good. If the one studio can't do, do it all by themselves, get someone else. No problem. So, yeah, uh, that, that's just how it is. So long as games are made, you know, the, the games are made quicker now, any problems are circumvented with, you know, with, mo with more teams uh, picking up the slack. I think it's ultimately a, a good thing. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were wondering about Fable, for example, like Playground Games. But then I thought to myself, you know, okay, we haven't seen anything from Fable 
uh, ever since the announcement, what, close to two, oh. two years ago? So people have uh, kind of been wondering, right? To build on that, though, mm-hmm. they, they only announce things when they're almost done. Like Forza Horizon 5 was announced six months before release. So we, ha- we have to keep that in mind. Playground, they're very, very specific. Like, did, did we assume Forza Horizon 5 was in development hell because we didn't know about it? No, they announced it when it was ready to be shown. It's as simple as that. So I think they're going to do that Forza Horizon 5 model with this one. Well, they'll, they'll announce it, like, within the same year. They'll show it the same year it comes out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'm really curious to see uh fable and like honestly it's not the, it's not even the the same team making it guys they have a separate team uh doing the rpg you know it's not the the car guys it's not the uh, the racing team uh they got a whole bunch of uh, ex fable developers from lionhead also like i've seen all kinds of other talent from across the industry um for example i think there was some uh ninja theory developers that went over there and uh you know other seasoned i think even uh some from guerrilla games if i'm not mistaken and more like there's a lot there's a lot of pedigree that went in there to create a really awesome western rpg so whenever they do lift the lid on it i am really really stoked but you know again i'm antsy i want to see some stuff right uh, they actually bought the uh building next door to uh where uh, where uh playground is right now mm-hmm. and that's where the second team is they there's literally a second location right next door to the first location it's like crusty crab too <laughs> that's interesting oh i didn't know yeah. that damn they're really close by um well, that's cool that's cool uh shockley buddy i mean i'd love to go to to you on this because uh you know matt booty you know, he did a q a and you know he said quite a few different things that he touched on um you know whether that be fable perfect dark and just AAA game development like what are your thoughts like do you agree with what everybody else is saying um you know please let us know what you think oh i don't know if you're muted or, or not shockley but uh just so you know can't hear you um let's see i just want to see if shockley muted himself yep oh no you're good no you're good <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, but what, what, uh, what's your thoughts on, uh, like, Matt Booty's commentary on this? Like, yeah, it, again, it can be anything. No, I mean, I I think it's right. You'll probably see more, like, bigger studio, well, kind of like what we saw in this case with the initiative, um, you know, helping out each other when they can. I, I think you've kind of seen that, like, lately with some of the Sony studios. They've kind of done similar things it just hasn't been a big thing they've just kind of helped each other behind the scenes and offloaded work so um but yeah in this in this case with the uh like the initiative for example um i mean that just worked out like to i think that was their whole plan going in so um in that case so but they chose you know someone that's like Centurion was saying earlier, that you know they chose somebody that worked perfectly with that expertise. So um, I'm just <laughs> pulling up more of his. Uh, I was trying to pull up more of his uh, article and like his uh, uh, comments on on the uh, as far as like the AAA part. But uh, but yeah, I mean as far as with all these studios they're gonna have, that's they're gonna have all these uh, you know bigger 
your studios being able to help versus like, you know, normally you'd go to like a Valkyrie studio or um, somewhere on the smaller scale or some other smaller studio to kind of mm-hmm. offload work. And that's where kind of like a lot of the uh, independent studios would uh, kind of fund their next project by, you know, doing some of that offload work. And then Obsidian can fund their next game while they're, you know, helping somebody else out with their project. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to see more collaboration with um, bigger studios like that. Um, and I think it's going to work out well with the initiative. It's obviously it's kind of like a seems like kind of like an experiment in their case um, to see how well this kind of can work out. Where you know you can kind of plan out everything that you need. And kind of get that ball rolling and then you can kind of partner with the studio uh, that you know has you know three hands that would be perfect fit for the type of game that you're making and then you set them free with that project after you kind of like come to agreement of like this is the vision you know that we want and you know you kind of work out a deal and it makes sense for both parties and then that main studio like the initiative could move on to you know, start developing and brainstorming for like a new project. Um, so then kind of focus on that and, you know, get out games a little bit quicker, which is what they're going to want to do with, you know, something like Game Pass, make sure there's not, you know, droughts. Um, whereas, you know, games games in the past, you're, you're, it takes like, you know, six, seven years to get a game out. Um, and if the studio just like focus on that game and then, you know, you wait another five years for their next game and you know it's kind of big gaps in between um which i mean them having this slew of studios that they have probably won't matter but um because it'll kind of that'll kind of fix itself i guess um but it would make sense you know even for other you know i would say even for like uh some of sony studios to do the same thing because then they can kind of get those games out a little bit probably a little bit quicker like we've been waiting on (laughs) factions for uh you know they promised it back in uh they said in 2018 that you know it's coming you know here we are almost coming nearly five years later uh um and there's not been much word on it they've recently like kind of talked about it but that's where they kind of themselves had to set you know they were still kind of beginning to work on it but they were the reason they kind of set that aside was also so they could focus and get out like last of us two out and get the single player done um so they kind of you know i would i would assume postpone and put more of the focus on last of us because otherwise this factions better be super i guess ambitious because it's taking it's you know we're coming up almost three years from the release date of last of us two um so i mean hopefully that's worth the wait but <laughs> i think that's also where they could have like moved on, had somebody partner with somebody to kind of uh, initiate this, you know, vision of like, okay, this is what we want for factions to, you know, because there's other studios that are going to, you know, sometimes be in between their their own projects. So, but we'll see how it kind of works out with like this case, like the initiative is a good example. So we'll see how this works out and, you know, if it's uh, successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, you make some really good points there, Eric. Um Honestly, overall, with Matt Booty's uh, comments during this this Q and A at PAX West, 
Um, you know, I thought there were some nice little tidbits. I mean, of course, you know, I want to hear more about Perfect Dark and Fable and all that, but time will tell. You know, those projects are still in development and there are lots of other games to focus on. But hey, again, my curiosity is here just there just as well as yours, right, guys? Um, but yeah, you know, there's some interesting things too. We talked about like AI, you know, being available or more advanced AI doing like uh, game testing and so on, which, you know, it could be an interesting application uh, to free up other resources in, uh, in development and so on. Uh, but overall, you know, I liked what uh, Matt Booty said, and, um, you know, I like it when he gives a little tidbits to it. It's not just Phil all the time, right? But, um, you know what, I think on that note, we'll move over to our final topic. But again, guys, smash that like button and share this show out, because we're having an awesome conversation here. And to be, on, to be honest, time is just flying by. It's like an hour and a half already. Damn, like, I, I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, we will move on to our third and final topic of the night. And recently, we had a couple of game showcases, uh, Disney Marvel a few days ago, as well as Ubisoft Forward just yesterday. And I know a few panel members really are wanting to talk about Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed in particular, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, General MLD, buddy, I know you've got some thoughts here on at least one of the shows anyways. I don't know. What did you think of them? Uh, I, I, I have a feeling you want to talk about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because uh, well, first I'll start off with a, a brief take on the on the Marvel one. I just want to just want to say Midnight Suns looks looks pretty good. I'm I'm, bi- I'm a big fan of the XCOM style kind of game, so that should be uh, pretty good. Uh, also, the Captain America Black Panther game looks very promising. We'll see what comes from that. Otherwise, I didn't watch the show, and I heard it was more or less underwhelming. So, mm-hmm. if anyone else on the panel wants to talk about that later, then hey. All good there. But those were the only two games that had my interest. But overall, though, the Ubisoft one, eh, sure, they had some things about uh, Rabbids and Skull and Bones. Uh, I got no intention to play those games. I'm more or less all about the Assassin's Creed franchise. I played most of them, so I have an interest in where the series is heading going forward. So uh, I just want to say Mirage looks very, very promising. Uh, it's like you come you come full circle, you know, like uh, in the Middle East, stealth, classical stealth gameplay, like, you know, stealth parkour assassinations. That's what Assassin's Creed used to be mostly about. And they're going back to those basics. That sounds amazing to, uh, to me. And I'm sure a lot of old school Assassin's Creed fans feel the same way. So it's like old school, but you still have some like things like the bird, like, you know, you have your bird psychic who like, you know, scouts above top and spots enemies for you. Little things like that, which are, you know, they're perfectly fine. Like, I don't want like a a fully old school one, like take the best of the new stuff, but mix it in with a core, you know, old school Assassin's Creed kind of game. And sounds that's amazing to me. So the main character is good. I played Valhalla. So Basim was a good character. Uh, looking forward to playing him in a in a what seems like a prequel game, but overall I think Assassin's Creed Infinity, that is a very interesting idea. It reminds me of like say maybe Halo MCC where it's like a, it's like a hub, and within that hub you have all these different games to choose from, and I think that's a very good idea because it's something that people can come back to year after year, game after game. Ultimately, whatever Assassin's Creed fix you want you're going to go into Assassin's Creed Infinity to play that. And they announced a couple games. 
One is going to be in Feudal Japan. I think that game is long overdue. I think Assassin's Creed uh, fans have been wanting a game set in Japan for the longest time. Ever since like the first game came out, people have been speculating and asking for a game set in Japan. So, great. Fantastic. The next one is like, they say it was a little more experimental. Might involve things like witchcraft. I have to see about that. I'm, I'm not going to make any judgments until I see something like gameplay for that game. But overall, though, I like it. It's a good move. Like, it's a big franchise. Might as well, you know, have everything under one roof, under one umbrella. So that's good. And then you got some mobile games, like, you know, one for, like, a Assassin's Creed game in China. But it's open world, though. It's optimized for touch controls. We'll see how that goes. I'm not overly excited about that one. But, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But in the end, yeah, it's a good conference. Good for Assassin's Creed fans. My one complaint was that I thought that they would bring Ubisoft Plus to Xbox. We know it's coming to Xbox this year sometime, but I thought this would be the time to announce it. But, eh, it's okay. We gotta wait, we gotta wait, is what it is. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while, hasn't it? Like, ever since yeah, the announcement. I, I, this, this would have been the perfect time. Like, I want to play, like, a Far Cry 6, uh, some other games on, on the service, you know, instead of buying individually. It would have been nice, but eh, it comes when it comes. There might be some back-end problems, because I think they want to do a tiered system, and the only service that has a tiered system on the console is um, Game Pass itself. Yeah. So they may have... Xbox literally may have to develop some API hooks for uh, third-party developers to create uh, like multi-tiered service subscriptions that you can subscribe to. I think that's what the holdup is on, on Xbox with Ubisoft Plus. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well. Uh -huh. Because well, we'll you can't out. do it with EA Play right now, because EA Play does have two tiers, EA Play and EA Play Pro, and Pro is not on the console. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, because, again, we've heard, I think we've had, like, two different shows where, again, in the past year, where Ubisoft Plus has come up about coming to Game Pass, but it just, again, it's been taking a while, so, I mean, if it is, if it has something to do with what you're saying, Crusader, I guess that makes uh some sense with the back end stuff so yeah and then you gotta you also have to apply that to like because like we all think of the xbox store as one market but realistically it's every every version of the store in every different country is like a technically a different marketplace and they may have to do different rules and different things for each one of those for how stuff is allowed to work so it's a complicated mess mm -hmm. well we, again don't we, open a store. well we were well we were seeing some stuff pop up uh like a couple of days even the day you know during the show it's like you know because all the tiles were changing right for uh i was busy with that the tiles were mm -hmm. changing stuff was like showing up that you could download and and, and stuff could even be an announcement next week because mm -hmm. game pass was advertised as a part of the showcase i don't know if you guys saw that and uh, there nothing became nothing came of it at all. It would like when when Mike when Ubisoft was advertising the specifically the Assassin's Creed showcase, right? And it, you should saw all the platforms at the bottom. Game Pass was clearly one of them, but there was not a single Game Pass announcement during the Assassin's Creed showcase. And I'm not mad that there wasn't. Not everything needs to be on Game Pass, and I I don't feel that way. But if you're going to put Game Pass on the bottom of your advertising to come watch your showcase, I'm expecting it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just seems like a false impression kind of a thing. So, yeah. No, I hear you. 
Now, MLD, buddy, I want to go back to you because, uh, you know, I see a lot of people psyched for Assassin's Creed Mirage. I mean, I like the concept, too. I mean, it's almost like going back to uh, the roots of the franchise in a lot of ways. I'll admit, like, I'm kind of tired. I'm Assassin's Creed out, Assassin's Creed out almost. Uh, to me, the game has become well, kind of bloated in some ways with the gameplay, so it seems like it's getting shrunk uh but they didn't show any gameplay did they for it was it just a cgi yeah, a cgi that's right it was a cgi trailer but i i'm okay with it we know enough details to know that it like it's only it's only the bag it's only baghdad so it's a single city so i'm thinking more like you know the assassin's creed 2 uh expansions like brotherhood and revelations where it's just one giant city um and also yeah i, I totally agree like playing valhalla that game was like 60 hours, and that was just me playing the base game, like neglecting a lot of side content. Like at a certain point, like you just want the game to be done. Like <laughs> it was way too long. It was way too bloated. Like if this game has like maybe like a 15 to 20 hour completion, kind of like the first couple Assassin's Creed games, that would be the sweet spot. Like a 20, a solid 20 hour game, not too long, not too short. Yeah, focus on the core on the core principles of what made Assassin's Creed great. I think, yeah, I hope it does really, really well, so that they can make more of these, and maybe you know, maybe do a little more of that and less of the you know kind of RPG kind of games. But I don't know, the people seem to like those too. So uh, I guess mm -hmm. the, the Assassin's Creed fan base is now going to be a little bit fractured going forward if this uh, if Mirage does well. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it will be curious. It will be curious to see, uh, you know, how fans react to that. But again, we'll have to wait and see on that. As far as I, it is coming out uh, later this year, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's, it's 2023. 2023. Okay. Yeah. All right. N I, nothing I, specific though. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, I hope it's not another big like triple A game getting pushed back. You know, that's the last thing we need right now going into 2023 uh, or. Wait, oh, sorry, it is for 2023. It's not for this year. No. Yeah. Oh. Maybe it was scheduled internally for holiday 2022, but they were just, you know, smart not to pre-announce that. Maybe it was, but eh, who knows? Oh, sorry, I just had that self-realization. I'm like, oh, man, it, it is now. Damn. Oh, t next year is shaping up to be one for the ages, I swear, with all those games. Oh, man, <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I think so. And finally, all the pandemic delays will have caught up with itself, and we're we're gonna get like a like a shotgun to the face of great of great games. It doesn't matter what console you play on; like we're all we're all gonna win. Oh, every two weeks there's gonna be something. It's gonna be crazy. Barring uh, nothing getting delayed, game of the year is like the, the, that entire show. Whether it's the game of the year award itself or like all the sub awards, they're all gonna be nuts. It's gonna be great, right? Yeah. It's gonna be so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll find out. I mean, <laughs> hey, there could be stuff pushed back into into 2024, but hey, we'll see about that. Uh, Shockley, buddy, I'm, uh, did you uh, catch any of the shows, the Ubisoft show or uh, Disney? Did anything catch your eye at them? Um, I didn't catch the Disney show. I saw the post because I wasn't, I don't think I even knew about the uh, show going on until I saw kind of like the feed uh on twitter with all the uh, ub stuff uh like properties um and then it was kind of confusing because i was like 
wait, what? We have this new uh, Assassin's Creed Baghdad, and then I saw something with like a like ninja, like assassin. And it was. I was like, wait, are they announcing two different? <laughs> um, but yeah, they they look pretty interesting because uh, this, at least to me, the setting is like the main, like uh, like the center stage of like, okay, this is why I want to play this one. Um, like I played the Assassin's Creed uh, 2 and Brotherhood, which were pretty cool. Um, and full played the first one. But after that, it kind of was getting like stale. So then when I saw like Black Flag, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, let me check that out. Because the whole pirate thing was the whole reason I wanted to play that with, you know, you could, you know, upgrade your ship and, you know, do all those kind of battles, which was kind of cool. Um, and then I kind of, Stayed away from it for, for a while, um, and then I think they had the Odyssey, which I briefly just started playing a little bit. Um, that I need to get back into, but that, that at least that setting is kind of cool. So that's the so seeing this like the I think the more the uh, uh, if it's yeah Japan setting on on this uh, was it called something red? I forgot what it what was the name. Operation or uh, it's code name, code name red. red. Not the real name. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but yeah, that one looked pretty interesting of them going about that. Although we we have kind of been like samurai out in a bit with uh, with you know from software with Sekiro, um, with uh, Sekiro and uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima. So, but yeah, I'll take another one. Um, so. Um, but yeah, it looks that one looked pretty cool, and then I'm interested to see how they um, do the whole Baghdad one. Um, I'm just thinking of at least Assassin's Creed kind of works out well when there's like a more, at least in my mind, like things to actually climb and ascend, kind of like where you had, you know, Italy with some of the earlier ones, um, and then that would work well with you know the whole Japan setting. So at least in my mind, at least I, maybe I just don't know of like what they would use as far as like for the Baghdad setting, but de- depending on like what time period they're using, but um, but I'm interested to see how they, what they do with that one. So that always looked pretty cool. So we'll just see how they turn out because uh, I was really hyped about the Unity one <laughs> when they first like showed off the uh, uh, for like very first trailers of that and then we all know what kind of came, how that one turned out. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll wait, wait and see on this one. But, uh, uh, but at least the, the, the code name red one, that one definitely caught my eye of like, oh, okay, they're finally doing, you know, that uh, Japan setting. So that one should be pretty interesting. All right. All right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I mean, even though I did say, you know, I am Assassin's Creed, out at the moment and i do i would like to see the franchise take you know kind of like call of duty take a little bit of a break for a year or two um you know i would like to see us um ubisoft uh you know experiment a little more with some of their ip uh because it just seems to be the same stuff over and over again however i will admit i will admit that mirage does look pretty cool from what i've seen so far and yeah red and you know the concepts that they have for these assassin's creed games do look pretty interesting i i will say that so uh, time will tell you know hopefully we get it's funny they can be really creative with making all these different ideas with the ip and you know not say running them into the ground but we still can't get a splinter cell even though 
you know there's a giant demand for it. They announced one, didn't they? Mm, I, don't I thought they announced one had started oh, development. Yes, started. Oh, right. did they? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. They announced one started development. Like, okay, and it's not and a mobile it. game. No, it is supposed to be a full like AAA experience. Oh, okay. Because mm, like... <laughs> I, because I know Rand's been talking about it forever, and thinking like, oh, yep, yeah, here it comes. Here's a here's a, a tease of like something Splinter Cell, and it ends up being either a mobile or, you know some type of attachment, whether it's like, I don't know if they put them in Fortnite yet, probably not, but <laughs> it's usually like some just add-on thing, but yeah, it's cool if they're actually doing one now, finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with you there, Eric. Uh, Centurion Pal, again, I'm curious on your thoughts about uh, both shows. Did you catch any of them, or did you catch the highlights? Did any of uh, any titles kind of catch your eye? No, please. What what did you find interesting? Um, I pretty much I would say caught them after they aired. Um, watched the highlight reels, went in and rewatched the, uh, rewatched the actual shows kind of in fast forward, especially the Disney one because, yeah, that Disney show was very lackluster in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think General MLD at least hit the one about the the Captain America Black Panther game. That was a good one, but it, it once again you see Disney at its best. Uh, we get some kind of overhead tactical game with the the Aliens franchise, which I think is absolute BS. Uh, aliens can be an awesome concept for a game. But for some reason, it never gets treated with any kind of uh, a true budget by a really big studio. It's always these offshoots, uh, a style of a game. And I would just really like for a really good narrative-driven experience for like an alien-style game. Hey, man, I want Something isolation, too. <laughs> I see that isolation was the only thing. that. But at the same time, I, I, like, I liked isolation. But hiding from it is different than being a colonial marine and every attempt of the colonial marines the best attempt of colonial marines is right now aliens fire team elite mm -hmm. um and that game is still a large multiplayer focused game i mean like literally you go into it and w the character models don't even move move their lips delivering the audio so mm. it's a very, I mean, I I have friends that play the game with me, which is why I enjoy it. But if I was a standalone single player enthusiast, Aliens Fireteam Elite is not the experience I'm looking for. Um, but anyways, moving on from the Disney showcase, the whole Ubisoft thing, you know, there was some titles on there um, that definitely look all right. It's good to see that, you know, I thought Mar Mario Rabbids were, was a really cool concept, especially being like uh, turn-based strategy. Um, that was an interesting concept in the first game. It's, it's good to see that at least they're having fun with it. Um, I would have to say that the, the huge emphasis on trying to bring a lot of franchises to mobile is interesting. I know we can't count mobile out, but that's definitely not my cup of tea. I mean, we're seeing the the division go mobile, Rainbow Six go mobile. There is a there is a large amount of games that Ubisoft is wanting to put on mobile. 
the real show stealer was obviously Assassin's Creed. Um, and that's where, you know, when I say I've played every Assassin's Creed game except one, I mean, I seriously mean that, but the only other one, the only one I haven't played is Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Um, and that's because I just, that game didn't really appeal to me, but I've played a vast majority of the Assassin's Creed games and I enjoy some of the new stuff that they're doing. I enjoyed Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I love how at the beginning of the Assassin's Creed showcase, we saw the trailer and at the end of it, it, you know, experience history. I'm a big history buff. I love what they're doing with the franchise. Um, maybe I'm just a rogue, but I had absolute fun playing Assassin's Creed Origins. It was also great to see them have like a little bit of a take on, you know, this is where <clears throat> the funny part is like with the introduction of potential witchcraft in Assassin's Creed Project Red, um, you know, Hexa is the, uh, the witchcraft one, which one project Hexa is the, um, uh, is the, is the, uh, witchcraft one. I'm, th they announced so many of them. Sorry. I got five, that. One I, I, it was five games. Yeah. Um, let's just say though, let's, let's look at some of the more interesting parts from Assassin's Creed, the pieces of Eden, um, some basically an apple from you know, or at least a piece of technology from the, the race that was before the human race. Um, and they left technology on this uh, planet. And we saw instances of this throughout the entire game. I mean, if you play Assassin's Creed Syndicate, um, you know, there's a talisman through the game that basically makes you almost immortal. Um, and if you play the game correctly and really take that game to its fullest, you actually find out that one of the characters from Assassin's Creed Syndicate actually gets their hands on this talisman and actually pushes their way into World War II. And they're still alive uh, because they're using these these items that basically come off as like witchcraft or magic when it's just really technology. Um, and we saw more of that in Assassin's Creed Origins, especially in the DLC that involved uh, uh, King Tut and his family. Uh, when you had to fight King Tut and you find out that one of the pieces of Eden is resurrecting uh, the is basically reanimating uh, the mummy of King Tut and his family members into being these walking deities that you have to go fight. So there's always been that element of mysticism when it comes to the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, we saw more of this in Assassin's Creed Odyssey when we had to go fight the Medusa, the Minotaur, and other other fantastical creatures that are basically, they live in fantasy. Um, but for me, the history side of things is where I really loved it. Uh, being able to climb the pyramids, uh, being able to go see ancient uh, Greece, ancient Rome, um, all these great places in history. And that's where I think the developers over at Ubisoft have really tapped into at least a great part, a, a concept of gaming that I really love. And that is being able to go back and actually experience 
different points in time with human, the human race, human culture. And it, it, for me, that's what I've loved the most about it. There's one game that I haven't had the exact chance to dabble in too much. And that's Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but that's because excuse the expression. I have PTSD from my experience of booting that game up. And within three hours of booting it up, it bricked my series X. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, we, I literally got my hands on the Series X when they first came out, took that thing out of the box, booted up Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and it blew the power supply right out of the, the Series X. And I, I have not had the balls, cojones, but however you want to say it, to turn on Assassin's Creed Valhalla because of just like, I don't want it to happen again, no. Um, but I really want to check this out. Everybody says that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is very long in the tooth. Um, I want to find out for my Sue. What? Somebody say something. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. <laughs> okay. I want to find it because I'm a big fan of, like, even Norse mythology and the whole concept of it. And, see, that's, again, I really find some of the concepts that Ubisoft has done to grow the franchise, expand the game mechanics, and really try new things because, I mean – playing a lot of the original Assassin's Creed games, it was fun. Uh, but definitely, I, I'm glad they got more into it than just blending into the crowd and just waiting to shank somebody. Um, I loved how they introduced Leonardo da Vinci into the, uh, the second game. Um, I, I mean, like, it's always been a franchise that they're willing to try to push forward because there was times it was getting very complacent. Um, the whole concept of climb to the tallest point and synchronize, do the spinning effect, get all the map icons and move on. Um, and now we see where Assassin's Creed is today. Um, I don't really see them completely abandoning the new, the new style of game in the whole Assassin's Creed mirage. Um, but I do see them trying to go back to some of the roots of the gameplay, the idea of what the Assassin's Guild really is. I mean, the concept of cutting off your ring finger to operate the hidden blade. That's actually something that a lot of people don't know about when it comes to the newer games is to operate the hidden blade. You actually have to remove your ring finger. Um, and like, that's something that's not touched on very much in the newer games. So it's, I'm wanting them it goes to really away in the newer games. Da yeah, Vinci not... fixed the problem. Da exactly. Da Vinci yeah. fixed the problem. But what about game? What about before Da Vinci? Yep. You know, or, you know, that's where it's, I do want to see a lot more of the lore brought into it. Like, uh, you know, it, it feels like the original lore of the game has got a little bit la lost in translation. And so that's where I want the lore to at least come back a little bit when it comes to uh, what really is going on and this, gr and what really the assassins are meant for in, you know, controlling world governments and keeping the secrets of the worlds uh, of the, of ancient worlds, away from the human race because if the human race was to learn any of these secrets they could ultimately create weapons of destruction that would basically hurt the human race so the assassins the assassins guild is definitely much more deeply rooted in a in a bigger slice of the story that's something that isn't touched on very much um and that's where i'm very curious on how they're going to bring that back into the game 
Um, but I'm excited for the franchise. I'm excited for what they're doing with it. And I'm looking forward to some of the great new uh, ancient worlds we're going to be able to explore. I mean, I could go on about this all night, but I don't want to put everybody to sleep. Oh, no, man. Actually, I, I love the excitement. I'm glad to hear that you're excited for uh, more Assassin's Creed. Like, no, I, like, honestly, I, I know you had a really good time with Odyssey and a bunch of the other titles. And uh, no, that that's great. Like, like, I forgive me. I'm not trying to be a spoiler guy, but if you haven't got this far into Assassin's Creed Odyssey at this point, go on. You like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a very to get to the point in the game where you literally see what happens to the main character at the end of the game, you would have to, for starters, 100% the original game and then have the Atlantis DLC. If you're not willing to go that deep, please, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to spoil it, but um, what is, I forget the guy's name, the main character of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I know there's the female character, Alexandria, but what was the male character's name? It's Etzios. Uh, you're right. Yeah, Alexios. I played like yeah. Alexio I played as him, and when you go to the point of where you find his father and why he is the person he is, and you find out that his father has actually been alive for hundreds of years, and he's actually the caretaker of Atlantis. And he basically carries a, st a staff with him that basically gives him eternal life. And you see him give this staff to him, and he's like, you're the new caretaker. And basically, that's when you see him become the new caretaker of the secrets that are supposed to be kept away from the human race. And you don't realize the impact of this in the game, because basically the DLC hadn't came out yet. And then the Atlantis DLC comes out and the woman from our time in the, in the 2000s goes to the to the temple where the caretaker exists and Etzios walks out and he's wearing a full three piece suit from today's world. And you realize that he has been alive and well and existing in our culture since ancient Greek times. And that's when he explains to her, you're the new caretaker. And he basically hands the staff off to her. That's when it really was mind-blowing to see the story unfold when it comes to Odyssey on the fact that Etzios went beyond ancient times and he actually existed into our time because of the technology that was left here by the ancient race. Mm -hmm. No, no. Well said, buddy. Well said. And again, I love the passion that you have for the game. That's great. You know, you, you had a really good time with it. Uh, Crusader, but I know you're... I'll keep you, it short. I know you want to pounce I'll in here, but you know, please by all means, like join in. What yeah. What'd you think about Ubisoft, Disney, and all that? Their shows. So, Mar they were they were. Both, see, I don't find sh like cinematic trailers bad. Uh, it can get annoying when there's too many of them, but I actually, it, it's a, it's a hiring tactic as much as a as it is to show us something, mm -hmm. right? They they want to hire people, and people want to come to work on types of games. I thought Amy Henning's thing, the World War Two Black Panther. Uh, Captain America team up looks like it could be conceptually sick. Like, mm -hmm. very excited for that. And I thought that the Ubisoft showcase was kind of meh. Like, it was okay up until the Assassin's Creed stuff. The Assassin's Creed stuff was great. I'm very, I'm a big Assassin's Creed guy. I, I I love them. I'm slowly working my way through the ones I haven't played, but like, I I love the especially the Ezio trilogy. I have three uh 100% of them on on Xbox. Um. 
lo- love love the Assassin's Creed games. Um, I thought it was really really on the nose that the mobile game Project Jade was set in China, and it's going to be a mobile game that's probably going to be filled with MTX, and that's going to be its primary market. Thought that was a little on the nose, but I mean, it'll be for that audience, so mm-hmm. great. You know, good for Ubisoft for knowing what their audience is. Um, I I think Mirage is going to be great, but did you guys see the controversy that came out about it today? Uh, was that about the gambling stuff? It has an adult-only rating on the ESRB for um, in-game gambling, like legit gambling. Supposedly, it's because you can buy in-game currency and literally gamble with it in-game. Shit. Ooh, really? Um, yeah, it, now the rating hasn't shown up on the official ESRB site, but it showed up on the Xbox store and I believe Ubisoft's own store. Oh boy, um, I can't wait so for that. So we, we <laughs> don't know, yeah, we don't know if that's like going to be an actual official thing. Like it, it might be that, hey, hey, ESRB don't actually publish this. Um, our automated stuff might catch it, but we're going to change this. So, because... You can't launch a game with an adult-only rating. GameStop literally won't sell it, right? And it, 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 it's the the last major game to get an adult-only rating that that sold only like sold at the very beginning, and then it was re-rated. It was uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, the original one, like way way back on the original Xbox and uh, okay. the PS2. And it, it retroactively got an adult-only rating. They had to re-release a patched version of it on disc. Like, like you, you can't. So that that'll be something will be changed. Um, but I, I thought I'm excited for Mirage. I'm excited to hear that they are willing to do both the the shorter back to basics, 15 to 20 hour style campaigns, where it's it's more like the original uh, Assassin's Creed like games, and then also the epic open world 150 hour games because i'm a fan of both of them i think uh, i i need to go back and play the first two but i played valhalla and i i, I beat valhalla i did quite 100 percent it some of the achievements I, I was just like i don't i don't want to do this but um i have like 800 gamer score or something in it i i really really liked valhalla i need to go back i'm waiting for that final chapter to come out and then i'm going to play through the dlcs and it um but yeah, you know, um, I'm really excited for the Japanese one. I think they can do a lot of cool things. And I got roasted for this on Twitter. I, I love Ghost of Tsushima. I platinumed it. But I'm more excited for the Ubisoft one, even though it'll be less polished. Because, uh, number one, I like the... There's a little bit more variety, even though the, the, the combat is less polished. There's a little bit more variety in the combat in Assassin's Creed. And I, when a game's going to be like as long as Ghost of Tsushima or the... Uh, the open world uh, Assassin's Creed games, you need more variety or you get bored. And I I did get bored with the gameplay in Ghost of Tsushima quite, like, not, I won't say quickly, but relatively so with the length of the full game. So I'm I'm more excited for for that. And also, uh, one of my biggest gripes with Ghost of Tsushima was that it didn't have actual historical figures. Literally every character was fictionalized in it. At least all the main ones were fictionalized. Like, there was no um, uh, whatever the name of the the, the oh so uh, there was no historical one. link is what the, there was yeah. no, the, the the events had historical links right like that there was actually an invasion of tsushima like the mongol empire did invade in such a way but there there was no like the, the characters weren't real right they made up all the characters for the story like 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 all of the sakai's all like all, all of the clans all the characters were totally totally fictionalized 
And one thing that's going to be different in Assassin's Creed is that, like, there will be fictionalized characters. Like, the Assassin you play as will definitely be fictionalized. They always have been. But there are real characters that you meet, and they fictionalize events or or things in Assassin's Creed, but, like, that's the whole point, right? That it's an alternate history. It's supposed to be that this, this is an alternate history. This is what actually happened, so to speak, if that makes sense. Like, that there has been this well, secret war between the Templars yeah. and the Assassins for, like, as long as humanity's existed, right? Because mm -hmm. that's the thing, right? Because the te Yeah, because they're and altering the Templar, like, the story of the yeah. Templars and the play on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like the, the going even further back to like the hidden ones and the I forget what the the name of the Templars were before they were the Templars, um, but like the whole point of Assassin's Creed is that it is supposed to be firmly based in history, but it's supposed to be an alternate history where the events play out slightly differently than the history books, and like there are other characters in the background that are causing the events to happen, right? And and so it's it's very i don't want to say it's very historically accurate right but like it's it's drawing on real people from history to shape the story more precisely and i really really enjoy that as someone who before became a, a cs and mathematics person wanted to be an archaeologist for most of my life i wanted to go dig up archaeological sites and then i realized there was no money in it and i would never be able to live comfortably like like not that i like i'd be uncomfortable digging stuff up but i would never be able to have a comfortable life and so I, I i devote myself to just kind of studying history because I, I love i love history mm -hmm. and and as the assassin's creed game scratched that itch like nothing else right because you go in and you meet benjamin franklin or you meet leonardo da vinci or you know all of the all of the characters you find and meet throughout the games like i'm playing through unity right now so i'm meeting all of the all of the people from the 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 french revolution right and like meeting napoleon and stuff like that and it, it's really fun because it's like you know that the game isn't going to tell history accurately because that's the point. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Question. Um, have yeah. you played Rogue by chance? Uh, I am... Oh, wait, no. I finished Unity. I am on Rogue now. Oh, okay, because I got it for free with Games with Gold a while back, and I've been meaning to play it because it seemed like an interesting take. Like, do you suggest it at all? Or So, um, have you played Assassin's Creed 3? Or... Um... Or like Black Flag, or I played like... Black Flag. Okay, it is in the same. It's the same style of game as Black Flag, essentially. Like it, it's like Assassin's Creed Three. It's like Black Flag, nice. not quite as much boat, but it, it's because Rogue came out at the same time as Unity. One was the last gen game that came out, and one was the 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 Xbox One only. I think. Yeah, or was it was that Black Ro Rogue. Flag that did that? Rogue was for the 360, and I. See, Unity, I think, was its own game. I think it was Rogue was for Xbox 360 and Black Flag was yeah. for Xbox One. Because, cause, uh, um, cause, yeah, you know, um, I, like, I, I like them all. Like, they, they, they're all very much the very similar games, right? There's kind of eras of them where, they, where they, they have some, like, adjustments to them, but they're, they're all very similar games up until the RPG ones. And I, but I really, really love the like the whole alternate history thing. I, I, the, the combat's not the greatest in all of them, but like it's not bad. It's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's passable for what I want the game to be. I, I always have a good time. I, I always love the characters. I always love what they're doing. Ezio is the best character that they've in, like uniquely created. I, and I'll die on that hill. Well, he is, um, he is a Chad, yes. <laughs> um, 
got three games out of him. You know, that's how much people like Detsy. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, so, so I'm very excited for that. And to answer Thimber in chat, yes, I have played Civilizations. I believe I have something like a thousand hours in Civilization Six because I, I would play it when I would study in college. I recommend Rogue, though. It's yeah. a little more refined version of Black Flag, a little bit, but I think the best part of it is the storyline because it's the one game where you play as a Templar and the Assassins are essentially the bad guys from his point of view. Nice. It's a prequel to Assassin's Creed 3, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. All right. All right. I want to, I want to definitely check that out. It's, it's the Seven Years' War, I think it takes place during, as opposed to um, the Revolutionary War during uh, um, Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. No, I, I definitely want to check it out then. Dang. All right. All right. Very cool. Um, okay, guys. Any other comments uh, from the rest of the cast? Uh, yes, no? All right. All right, guys. I think uh, we'll end, thing off, end things off here for tonight's show. and <laughs> A fun talk tonight regarding, uh, well, lots of stuff, really. Jim Ryan's call out of... Uh, Call of Duty, his comments there, Matt Booty's remarks at PAX West, and our thoughts on Ubisoft and Disney's game showcases. If you enjoyed our chat tonight, then please consider leaving a like, uh, sharing this out across uh, different social medias, and hey, subbing to the channel. Uh, if you're new here, we would certainly love to have you stick around. Uh, thank you guys in the chat. You guys were awesome. Loved uh, all your commentary. Uh, Awesome stuff, fellas. Uh, but yeah, moving on here to the outros. Uh, Tim had to leave early, obviously. He has uh, work very early in the morning. But moving on down the list here, start off with Centurion. Pal, thought you had some really good stuff tonight. Really awesome commentary. Where can everybody follow you at? Well, gents, uh, it's been a great conversation tonight. Thank you to everybody in the chat that joined us. Uh, please smack that like and subscribe button. Invader works hard around here, so please let, let's support all the hard work that he does. Um, for those interested in finding me, please locate me at Centurion1307, Xbox Live, YouTube, Twitter, all the fun ones like that. You can find me there. You can also find me right here every Sunday night on TXR and every Wednesday night over on Gaming Beyond the Box with Wilmy Hood, Bomber, and the rest of the crew over there. And you can also find me every other Monday on Plastic Platforms. One of those Mondays is actually tomorrow on Stubbs Gaming Channel. Um, and we're actually going to have a, a really cool guest, uh, Mr. Luke Steele, come on the show with us. Um, he's actually had, um, at least from what I've heard, personal dealings with the CMA. So we're going to actually have a little bit of a sit-down, roundtable discussion. It's not a fact-finding mission or anything like that. It is just to sit down and have a really nice roundtable discussion on what's going on um, and what we, what our opinions are and what we think could happen. All right. I look forward to it. Uh, you and Stubbs do a really good job there, so uh, I'll certainly be stopping by for that chat. Uh, moving on down here, Eric Shockley, buddy. Hey, loved your points tonight. Uh, you always bring an interesting perspective to the group. Uh, where can all these fine people follow you at? Yeah, as always, you can find me at ShockMiro on Twitter, Easy Shock on Xbox Live. But yeah, good show tonight. Um, definitely some nice topics. Uh, <laughs> I think we went about an hour in that first topic. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I thought that was going to last the whole show. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that one was a, a big one with a, a lot of, uh, a lot of tea 
could go back and forth. So, <laughs> but yeah, good show tonight. Mm-hmm. Agreed, buddy. Could go go on for hours about that. Uh, moving on down here, General MLD, bloody uh, buddy, love your loved your energy tonight. Uh, again, great, just all around uh, comments and whatnot. Great points, um, really on your game as you are as always. But uh, yeah, where can all these fine people follow you at? Thank you, thank you. You're too kind. But uh, yeah, it was a great show. Uh, good energy from everybody here. Everybody, everybody can find me at MLD Ghost on Twitter. Gamer tag Ghost MLD. Catch me playing this and that. And yeah, looking forward to the next week. Agreed. Hopefully, we get some more. Uh news i mean mondays are always interesting so we'll see where that leads us uh and let's see oh we got mr crusader buddy good stuff tonight as per usual where can everybody uh follow you at and uh, follow your threads oh yeah you can find me at crusader three four five six on basically everything twitter xbox playstation might be a little hard to find me on steam but just look for look up crusader lord of the realm or something like that and you'll see garris pop up i use the same uh, icon everywhere if you uh if you're looking for destiny raid helps or you want to learn how to play do raids or dungeons and destiny you hit me up and and i got me and the buds we'll we'll, we'll teach we we love teaching raids and destiny we love doing sherpas so you know just, just hit me up and we'll we'll get some destiny in all right you heard the man check him out and to round out the group, you guys can find my content on YouTube at Invader Gaming. Also, check me out on Twitter at Invader underscore 1886. You might see some uh, Warhammer paintings, some Warhammer models popping up soon. Uh, getting back into the hobby. Yes, yes, I know. Warhammer dork here. But, hey, we Are all we got to have, it. like, Invader go Bob Ross, and you're going to just, like, show us how to paint uh, Warhammer figurines? Maybe. Dude, I, I just bought some custom bases, like somebody 3, 3D uh 3d paint uh printed a whole bunch like 60 different bases for me like uh different like city urban terrain and i'm just gonna go nuts i i even bought like 60 models the other day too i got a nice set for my tau army and uh, yeah i could go on and on about it but uh yeah you'll see some uh some bob ross uh warhammer work uh popping up very soon but, uh, yeah, guys, great, great show tonight. And uh, thank you all for being here. And we look forward to seeing you all here next week on the next one. Later, folks.